0: Here we are, it's Saturday, it is about a little over a day before the actual finale and we've got our usual fun program prepared for you. Lots of predictions and theories, we've got our trailer analysis. And, you know, it's funny that Game of Thrones has become particularly adept at being tricky with trailers. I think they've had a lot of practice at it and they know how much we in the fandom look at them. And so they've gotten good at fooling us. They realize the need to be tricky with. Them. That's yeah. true. They realize the need. It's like uh, yeah. So they've upped their game. But what's funny here is that it's, it's a they instead of trying to fool us, they've just kept it on the down low, right? Like we've seen very little. This is the mo- one of the least revealing trailers. We always go through frame by frame and look for stuff, and there's just not much to be gleaned. It's really secretive. And what's funny about that though is that. The first two scenes we ever see of this season, from the first preseason trailer, are from this final episode. (laughs) The first two. The first trailer has Cersei walking in wearing her fur mantle with her footsteps echoing as she's walking into the room with a painted table, or painted floor, and there it is. That's the first shot we ever see. The second shot we ever see is Grey Worm standing in front of the Unsullied Army, which is coming up in this episode. They're standing outside of King's Landing. So double tricky (laughs) showing (laughs) us yet not showing us so welcome back everybody i got sean here on my right sean of house beard sean and i are representing the same shirt we had similar shirts last monday now we're going full up the same this is related to the grm box drawing which we'll be getting to shortly but in addition to sean and ashea we have special guest lucifer means
1: lightbringer hello there lml hey guys hey aziz hey sean of house beard it's nice to be finally on with you
0: yeah, right on. Yeah, we're making new new combinations here. Sean and LML, you've never been on together, huh? No, no. That's cool. Hey, if Game
2: of Thrones is going to have new interactions with characters, we're going to have new interactions with characters.
1: <laughs> I was going to go That's out to right. Party City and get a fake beard, but it was a little too late, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. We'll we'll, uh, we'll let you participate anyway. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Well, we've got like three shades of beard. I've got the like very short beard. Aziz has medium beard and Sean has full beard
0: (laughs) And we have no beard off screen running production. No beard. Chats and everything (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we'll start off as usual. We we don't do money announcements during these uh, predictions and theories episodes We try to get to the material as quickly as possible, but we do have our GRM box drawing which Shea is putting an image up on screen to show you we have two people two new winners And two more winners to yet be announced. So, if you didn't win this time, never fear. You still have a chance. We still have a chance to get in there. Send an email to WesterosHistoryGiveaway at gmail.com to be entered. You don't have to enter multiple times, even though we're doing a drawing here. If you've already entered, you stay entered. The next two winners are Didi Ade from Ohio and Megan Holmes from Nebraska. We have sent you emails, so if you didn't see them, well, maybe you're hearing it now. So uh, we'll respond, and we will get you those things shipped out. That's where these shirts came from. Exactly. Yes, yeah. these shirts are in the GRM box. We're wearing the uh, the product today. It's are... a pretty cool shirt. Detailed maps of Rhode Island.
1: <laughs> hey, you know, uh, you know what else is going to get shipped out? What's that? Danny and John. Oh. <laughs> I see Ba-boom-t- what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: we have a. I, I was going to re-explain what a super chat is, and we have two sitting there already. Actually, three. Two from two from the same person. Uh, what you can do is you can send us a live donation and attach a question or a shout out to it. You can see a dollar sign there in the comment box if you're watching live, and we are sharing our super chat revenue with LML today. So anything you send over will be spread around. First of all, from Aaron Habig, who says thank you. Well, thank you, Aaron. We appreciate that. And then a question from Katie Lemonclaw. What happened to Thoros' flaming sword after he died? Well, it isn't really a flaming sword so much as it is a sword that he's able to light on fire with his blood or something. It's a a spell. The magic is within him, not the sword. The sword isn't particularly special. In the books, in fact, he used wildfire on his swords (laughs) instead of... Which destroyed them (laughs) slowly and gradually. He'd always have to go buy a new one. Gendry has memories of Thoros coming in to argue with his master, Tavo Mott, about the price of new swords. And his master would always yell at Thoros for destroying perfectly good swords. And that sounds like a, a good uh, sitcom, you know, a little sideshow. show. Gendry and Tob Homat and Thoros coming in, different people coming in to demand swords and armor and helmets. It would be funny if Thoros is real particular about the sword. He wanted a certain engraving and you know, this, just <laughs> he just lights it on fire and runs <laughs> it every time. <laughs> That's funny. Also, um, want to throw out this comment from uh, Lady Ardras, who uh, also coined the term dafrodisiac for. The uh, fermented crab, (laughs) well played. But she now wants to know, what's the next event in Gendry's triathlon? He's done the rowing and the running. So what? Is he going to cycle next or (laughs) swimming? What has he got? What's the next event for (laughs) Gendry?
1: Dragon riding. (laughs) Dragon riding. (laughs) Swimming seems to be pretty popular lately. Hmm, yeah, yeah. Between Jamie and John. Mm -hmm. I guess it's more like diving. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, diving.
0: Olympic well diving. we have a before we dive into the material we've got some more super chats one from corn empire question is bran may not be the night king but i think he will be having some kind of mind hero meaning mo- the movie hero battle with night king and will die along with the night king ending the horrible battle possible at all in any of your minds that's some- somewhat similar to what you said sean right yeah i thought he was gonna have a second battle already at yeah, the Better come this episode, or my prediction is gonna be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you could still be right if it happens next season. Just, I suppose just, you'll just get the timing <laughs> wrong, but yeah, maybe. I think what you said was maybe something that leaves his body alive, but his mind gone. You know, yeah. well, preseason I didn't consider details.
2: I just thought at some point they would have a psychic battle, which you know maybe even that moment when Brand's having a vision with the Ravens and the Night King sees it, kind of breaks it up. That was so nominal, I didn't count it. I thought something more extended was going to mm-hmm. happen, you know. I could um, see I could see something like that happen. But last episode, I started wondering when we thought that Arya and Sansa seemed upset about something. What could they be upset about? Maybe Bran is stuck in some trance because his mind is with yeah. the Night King or something. Yeah, that but... didn't work. I guess that
0: didn't work out, but
1: maybe in the future. What's, what's that, LML? I was just going to say, uh, one of my favorite things that I've seen on the show is the idea of Night King being able to confront Bran inside the Weirwood net. This was kind of an aha moment for me because I've been doing a lot of study on the Weirwoods lately, and I've been sort of zeroing in on this idea that there is some sort of fight inside oh. the Weirwood net. And so then when I saw on the show Night King being able to appear inside Bran's Weirwood vision, I was like, oh, hot dog, that's it. Mm. And in fact, my, my theory is that in the book, uh, we won't get a physical Night King like we have in the show, but I, I do think that Night King, in some sense, is still alive inside the Weirwood Net. And it is from there that he's able to raise the dead or send out White Walkers or whatever. Oh, that's
0: cool. His cool. spirit
1: lives on. It feels like yeah. he's a
0: lot more powerful than Bran right now. But maybe next season that'll start to even out more. Although if Night King has this dragon, that might make him more powerful, even in his magic. Which is a concept we'll get to a little bit later. But stay tuned for that. Uh, we got a couple more Super Chats. Craig Lewis says, where are the armies, as Jamie and Braun look on? It is a wide open field, whereas King's Landing is surrounded by water and hills and mountains. Well, that would be out in front of some of the gates. There's seven different entrances to King's Landing, seven different gates. And some of them run along the river where Stannis attacked, which is the Blackwater Rush. But there's plenty of open terrain out in the front side there. And as you can see from another shot, you've got Euron kind of gathered outside on the seaward side and yeah it's king's landing is really large it is the largest city in in Westeros and i think the book estimates the population is at around a half a million so it's pretty pretty substantial size there's, there's a lot of room it's a walled city so there's a lot of room around it for armies to gather it's not entirely clear but i believe they're around the west gate nor maybe the northwest gate but there's no way to know for sure as far as i know um, also from azore hype donation train hype can't stop won't stop (laughs) thanks kyle that's kyle from the azora hype channel and we will be seeing you next week kyle for dragon con and if any of you guys out there are coming to dragon con let us know we don't have a, a a booth or a panel or anything we're just going as fans you know we're here in atlanta so dragon con's been a regular thing for us for a long time for me it's been more than two decades of going to dragon con well around two decades Anyway, (laughs) something like that. But uh, so, if you're going to be there, definitely let us know, and we'll maybe we'll try to meet up. Kyle and I might try to do a recording Thursday while he's here. By the way, oh excellent! We'll
2: have a more official announcement out for that. Excellent, and also get excited about it. no, wait, get pumped up about it. No, no,
1: get hype, hype about it. (laughs) Hype—that's the word. There's not a better named person in all the fandom than Azor Hype. He is on (laughs) ten. I love him, man. It, and I'd also like to say uh, thanks. He gave me a nice shout-out on his last pod, him and uh, Secrets of the Citadel, who's also awesome. in the chat and who also just hit us up with a super chat. So thanks for joining and, us, guys, and thanks for and she love. And
0: she says, just fight the power. Yeah, so thanks to Secrets of the Citadel. A shout-out to her as well. Appreciate that. Thanks for being here. We are a, uh, as you can see, most of the community, we're all friendly. You know, we don't compete with each other for views and, and all that nonsense. We're just, we're just all in this together, having fun, analyzing things in different ways, and coming to different conclusions, sometimes the same. And, uh, you know, we're all just having a good time. It's great. I love that. Also, super chat from Sam the Narrator. I don't see a question attached. we will keep an eye out for that, but we appreciate that too, Sam the Narrator. Good name. All right. So, as always, we have our trailer inventory and I already pointed out that we saw the first two shots of the of this episode were in the first trailer ever for this season. We also have that infamous Sandor drawing his sword in what is very clearly the Dragon Pit. Now it was it was it was, it was widely theorized. Now it's just confirmed. I mean, right? And then we also have Sansa's the pack survives speech, which is coming this episode, which. Hopefully hints at some sort of Arya Sansa reconciliation. I don't think anyone's like excited about Arya and Sansa going against each other. I don't, I haven't seen a single person that's like, I'm glad Arya and Sansa are going. (laughs) (laughs) No one seems either people are just like okay, I'm waiting for this to end, or, they're, or they just downright don't like it, or they just don't say have anything much to say at all about it. Or they theorize that it's a plot against Littlefinger. Right, or something which like is that, yeah. partly an extension of not liking it. Because, yeah, yeah, like, we were, sure. <laughs> for me, like, we were coming up with theories about Arya being stabbed because we didn't like it, you know? Yeah, but I really, know. it was just Arya got stabbed. <laughs> so I still think our theories were better than how it actually played out. <laughs> I, agree, <laughs> I agree, I agree, I <laughs> agree. And then John's, our families fought together stuff. I think some of that is in this episode, unless that was with Danny. I meant to look that up ahead of time. I see my notes here that I did not. Um, But also we have Shaz pulling up here, Theon stumbling into the surf. This is one we've been pointing to forever as something that we wonder when it's going to happen. Well, it's definitely happening in this episode. It's part of the trailer, but it's really hard to see what's happening. There is a related shot from the preseason trailer that shows you a wider angle on this, and it looks like different rock formations in Dragonstone. Now, that said, there are shots of Theon on Dragonstone this episode, so these may be related, but probably not. Now, you had an idea that maybe this is before the armistice. It seems unlikely, but possible, because yeah. we do see Theon on the ship going to Dragonstone. We see him walking into the dragon pit. Now, this could happen before that, but if not, this is the only shot we have that comes after the armistice, with the possible exception of some of the Sansa scenes, which, you know, those don't have any, you know, we don't know where to place those in the timeline, but they don't seem directly related to King's Landing, with the possible caveat that maybe Sansa's responding to news from South for the south, you know. I also had a little further thought than what I was talking
2: about with you, and again, this isn't something I'm like, confident about in any way, I'm just trying to come up with something that maybe... Theon uncovers a part of some ploy, right? Mm -hmm. Like maybe if Theon has been off trying to rescue Yara, while all this other stuff's been happening, as opposed to just sitting in Dragonstone waiting, you know. Yeah. um, And maybe he figures something out that Euron's up to something or whatever, and and Mm -hmm. he's going to come back and warn people so they're prepared. But maybe something does happen, stuff goes crazy, and Theon ends up out in the water post meeting you know
0: yeah and yeah so it's it's very curious it's one of the things that really struck me as interesting because of how little they've revealed to us about this episode how tight-lipped the trailers are that was uh this was something that really stands out but that said there's still not a whole lot we can get from it (laughs) so let me run through the plot lines and locations that we're going to talk about today and then we'll get into the specifics and everybody will get a chance to weigh in. Y'all can fire off Super Chats and regular questions. And we've got a few questions that we have pulled from ahead of time that we'll get to mostly at the end. Although there's a few of them that I've woven in because of how well they fit with the things we're going to be specifically talking about. We have Winterfell, which involves Arya, Sansa, and Littlefinger. And, John, and of course, the news of John's declaration that he's bent the knee and the news that he went beyond the Wall, which is possibly very relevant. Now, one interesting thing about this is that we don't have any trailer shots of Arya. We got Sansa, several shots of her. We got several shots of Littlefinger, and we even got several shots of Bran, but no Arya. Now, that's not necessarily telling, but it's interesting. We also, of course, have the Wall and the Army of the Dead and this Ice Dragon. Nothing in the trailer about them, but if you guys are at all like me and I imagine you are, you don't expect that the Ice Dragon's eye opening is the last we see of the White Walkers this season. But it is possible. I'm still holding out that the wall's coming down this season. Of course, that has to be this next episode, if so. Mm -hmm. We definitely get some shots from Dragonstone, which probably come before the Armistice meeting, because Dragonstone's on the way. But it could be after. It could be. Sam and Gilly, I'm wondering if we'll see them. We may get some sort of follow-up. You know, are they going to be back this season? And if so, where are they going to turn up? That's something we're going to talk about. Melisandre said she's going to come back, so we have to wonder if that's this season or next. We'll talk about that. Of course, the Ironborn stuff that we talked about, Euron's fleet is there at King's Landing, but what is up with Theon and Yara? And then finally, King's Landing, which is just a huge topic. There's so much mystery, but there's also potential for so many reunions. And we also have, you know, Jamie and Cersei, who have several scenes before the actual armistice. You know, they're talking to each other and, and having some conversations, and we've got some trailer shots of that. Okay, so that's a lot, right? That's, it's, this is an 80-minute episode, which, so that's an hour and 20, which is, you know, it's a full 10 minutes longer than last week's, which was one of the, I think, the longest episode ever prior to this one, so that is uh, pretty awesome, and we're going out with a bang, so let's start at Winterfell. As I said, no Arya shots, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's just kind of interesting. We figure that the first big thing is going to be news from John. The, the news that he's knelt has got to reverberate. And, uh, yeah. Um, so let's start with this little finger shot here that Ashea is going to pull up. And it, it looks like he's got his kind of um, smirk. <laughs> <laughs> that he always seems to have he's got different versions of his smirk but
1: it's basically it's, it's, timeless
0: yeah <laughs> what's interesting here is you can sort of see a guard kind of out of focus there in the front which i think means this is the the big hall the great hall where they have all their big you know meetings with all the lords so let's start off here what do you guys think is going to happen here but before you answer let me point out what's interesting is that there the winterfell is still the last to learn everything right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The South knows about the dragons and the white walkers more than they're going to see an example of a white before <laughs> the North. They're, they're, they're really in the dark about a lot right here, but this John news is still going to have an impact. So LML, let's start with you. What is your take on what you think is going to happen? how are they going to react to the news that John bent the knee?
1: Well, I've thought about this a little bit and of course, uh, you know, the two of us really like, uh, the deep history, you know, the backstory. And you have to think of, of course, the King who knelt, uh, Stark. Stark. And he, he made a real simple calculation. He saw Aegon's dragons. He saw them fight. He heard about what happened to the people who opposed him. And he also heard that Aegon was very even handed with those that bent the knee to him. And he made a smart decision. And he said, well, you have dragons and I don't, and I don't really want to sacrifice my people. And you got to remember the North is thinly populated they don't have people to just feed into a meat grinder at the Field of Fire. And so he made the smart decision, and he knelt. And John didn't even kneel upon first sight of the dragons. He held out for a while until he saw that Daenerys Targaryen was somebody of high character that he was willing to follow. And once she flew in and was willing to put herself and her dragons on the line for him and for the North and then committed to fighting the White Walkers, it makes 100% sense for him to kneel at that point. And I don't think it'll be hard for him to say that in a speech. Although John is, of course, very short on words sometimes. So,
0: yeah, and he's not there, and things could happen before he has a chance to deliver
1: that speech. That's right. True.
0: So, I-, I love that you brought up the history here because when Torn Stark Neil, there was a lot of people that were very upset with him for doing that. There was a, a sellsword company that formed that let- and went off to Essos. I believe it was called the Company of the Rose, mm. and there were people who were upset with this kneeling and didn't want to be a part of it anymore. They didn't rebel, but they left. So, Sean, what's your take on this? What do you think uh, Sansa might do or Littlefinger might do or in general? I think I'm a little more
2: pessimistic in general about how things pan out at Winterfell. I don't think that we're going to end the season with Sansa and Arya hugging and making up and everything Hmm. being fine. I think that... um, I, I tell you one thing that I think would get the North... On board, if you will, is if Danny showed up. If she just showed up hmm. with the dragons, if yeah. they could just see in the same way that Danny, even if she accepts and believes John, okay, there's really a zombie army. Like, okay, fine, you're not lying, I believe you. That still doesn't mean abandon all my plans, go help you with all my forces. You know, it's just there's interesting believing something and realizing the true significance of it. Yeah. And I think that if the North saw the dragon, they would. Okay. 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 Fine. Bend the knee. We, you know, we got it. Got it. You know, we see. You know,
0: it, it certainly but, had that kind of effect on Jamie. Right. Of course, say, that was yeah.
2: seeing it fight, but still. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so I don't know how likely this is to happen, but it seems like it would be a good move for Danny to just visit the North, fly John up there on the dragon, hop off. Hey, everyone! I, I bent the knee.
1: I think you can see why. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that's the that's the key right there is bringing the dragons to Winterfell. That pretty much will make the argument. I think. Yeah. But if that doesn't happen, if they
2: just get word of this, I think that will increase the rift between Sansa and Arya. I think that the lords more than ever will want to be committed to Sansa as opposed to Jon. And it's not crazy for them to want that. And it's not due to Sansa's manipulation. It's due to Jon's poor leadership, you know. But whatever the reason is. Arya will still be upset by it. Mm-hmm. And she's already upset. So th- I, I don't necessarily think that means and so she assassinates Sansa. I don't think that. <laughs> yeah. But she might just leave. She might be like, I'm out of here. I don't buy mm. this. Or she might even... I'm go find Jon. <laughs> right, right. She might. Or she might make a speech. She might stand up in front of everyone and say, you lords, this and that, I can't believe. I'm leaving and any true northerners will come with me. And
0: then we have a rift where some of them mm. leave with Arya and some stay and et cetera, et cetera. Shay's going to pull up this shot of Sansa wearing her hood. Now, when this plays out in motion, she kind of takes a long blink. And you also see a shot of her, which I think is connected to this image, of her walking across the battlements that are covered in snow. And it's kind of dusky, although not quite nightfall. Maybe it's just gray because it's so dark in the snow and everything. But it it felt like it was at least evening or starting to become dark. And she's by herself. To me, it says that she's making a difficult decision. She's, She's pensive. That's kind of what I'm getting out of this. And since there's nobody else around to talk to, you know, you can quite clearly see there's nobody near her at all, that she's by herself. Now, someone could walk up and start talking to her pretty easily. I mean, again, these trailers fool us all the time. But how do you rectify, Sean, the idea that there will be this rift between them if we have Sansa repeating the, the you know, the pack survives line? How do you how do those two things work together? Because to me, that's a big, important like, ah, this really hints at maybe some sort of positive resolution Obviously, again, it could be a trailer trick, but...
2: Yeah, I think it's possible that she says this to Arya,
0: but Arya doesn't heed the warning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, she says, well, no, you're the one who's yeah. <laughs> outside of the pack right now, Sansa. She might even be
2: saying it to... I don't know it's the tone, the volume of her voice. Doesn't sound like she's making it as a speech to everyone.
0: No, I agree. It was conversational, not but, said loud. But it yet. might
2: be being said to two or three lords in private to Lyanna and Royce. You know? Sure,
0: yeah, okay. All right, so I'm going to put uh, put you guys to the test here. LML, first off, I mean, you're going to go first. Does Littlefinger survive this la- next episode or not?
1: I'd say Littlefinger's days are done. Mm.
0: Now, Sean, earlier in the season, you thought he would survive the season. Do you still feel that way? I still think he does.
2: Okay, he cool. Survives. I think he might be exiled from mm. Winterfell I'm I'm not sure. I I think at the end of this episode, which is the same as the end of this season, Sansa and Littlefinger are still in Winterfell.
0: Arya is not. Okay. So LML, who's gonna who's gonna take out Littlefinger by your guess?
1: Um you think it'll be Arya? Yourself, I think or? it I really think it has to be Sansa. Like the whole mm. Littlefinger is basically a foil to Sansa at this point. And so whether it's her doing the deed or her commanding that it be done. I'd like to see her have that agency, but that doesn't need to happen. Maybe it'll happen all twisted and messed up, um, and maybe it will be Arya. I also want to say that I don't feel strongly about that. I'm just sort of taking a guess. He very well could survive, but again, I think he's just a foil to Sansa. So really, like, how much more use can you get out of him? I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah, I feel like he's probably—I'm on the side of him dying, but I'm also like you. I don't feel super confident in it, but I'm, I'm reasonably confident. I'll say 75%, something like that. We shall see, we shall see. Continuing at Winterfell, we have Brand. So, if you guys are at all like me, Ashay is pulling up this, uh, this still of him sitting by the fire, which is a little bit interesting. You know, he's not by a weirwood tree, and it slightly dampens my excitement for what I expect from him, which is a flashback. We have not had a Brand flashback this whole season, and that has been a slight disappointment, but they could absolutely make up for that by giving us something juicy this episode. And, and there hasn't been a lot of brand at all this season, really. I mean, he's done some very important things, but mostly he's been sitting on the sidelines, occasionally jumping in for something, you know. And if they have a flashback, I really feel like some more R plus L equals J stuff is likely. Because as I've seen throughout this season, a lot of casual fans still don't know what the deal is. Even though it's HBO has put it in the family tree. It says Rhaegar Targaryen, and Lyanna Stark equals Jon Snow on the HBO family tree. A lot of people have gotten that it's Lyanna right? That part is clearer, but the Rhaegar part is still not as clear. And even a lot of people don't even get the Lyanna part. So I think, and I think the showrunners know that because this is, they, as, as much as we like to criticize them accurately and fair, fairly, we criticize them. One of the reasons we criticize them so often is because they're aiming towards this wider audience. That is where the most of the money is. That's where all the views are. So, we, if we're considering that that's how they're calibrated and we realize that this isn't fully explained to that wider audience, it feels like a really good prediction. But still, it might be hopeful. Do you guys – Sean, you go ahead. Do you think this is likely or – and if not, what else might we see in a brand flashback?
2: Well, let me – to what you were saying there, I agree. I feel like there's a lot of people I know that watch the show and love the show but haven't pieced some of the puzzle pieces together. And a lot of times they'll come at me like, wait – danny and john are cousins it's like a current to the <laughs> relatives well, like, well they are related but not actual cousins let me explain
0: some people think they're brother and sister like, right they just, yeah there's all sorts so, of miscom- you know, miscom- and,
2: and if you keep in mind that rhaegar has never been on screen and in seven seasons his name's probably only been spoken like less than ten times and there are characters that are on screen central characters that people sometimes can't remember you know what <laughs> i mean yeah. there's a lot of characters there's a lot of moving pieces and unless you're watching it two times and watching a podcast and taking note, you probably just don't randomly put all this together. It takes a certain amount of effort. And this is big enough audience, and a lot of audience came from book readers who were piecing this together for years. But there's still a lot of people in the audience who haven't been piecing this together for years. They're just watching a show like they're watching a show on TV, not occurring to them that there are some of these mysteries to be even unwoven. So I do feel like scenes, like, scenes that might seem like pandering to us like, oh, look, you know, Rhaegar Ragger. was actually uh, annulled <laughs> and remarried, and we're like, yeah, all right, you know. But there's some people that that might be more significant to. There's some people who might not even understand
0: the I think a lot of, of people, that line is
1: right over their heads. Exactly, yeah. so...
0: Um, the
1: Secrets of the Citadel was just piping up and saying, she's got friends that don't know who Rhaegar is at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 see, that yeah. just so, proves
0: the point, yeah. yeah. So the show needs to explain this more.
2: And it is difficult for them to be appealing to all these different levels of, of audience attention. And, um, one way or the other, I feel like they should be giving us a brand flashback because the people who are are, like digging in and trying to figure these puzzles out, we're excited for it. The people who aren't are either confused or missing out on a huge slice of intrigue. So I do think they should do this. It seems like they are doing this type of thing a lot. I'm only suspicious because they haven't done it yet. It's been (laughs) every season. I expect every episode I expect it to happen and it doesn't. So, uh, I, I I still expected this episode, but with less certainty than in the past.
0: LML, what about you? Do you think maybe we'll get, say, the tournament of Harrenhal, or just maybe Rhaegar talking to Lyanna about the prince that was promised, or something like that? What do you? What's your take?
1: I kind of feel like the con- a conversation between Rhaegar and Lyanna would serve the purposes better, you know, because it depends on if they want to answer the question of why did Rhaegar and Lyanna do what they did. Like they they could just show us that Rhaegar is the dad, and they could do that with attorney. Like, you could just sort of see Rhaegar and Leanna looking at each other, and you could be like, oh, okay, that's that's how that worked. But if they show a conversation talking about the prince that was promised or something, then they'll be closer to telling us what Rhaegar's motivation was. So let's hope for the second one, but uh, we'll have to see.
0: I see Ashea has pointed out in the chat that there are a lot of people in the fandom that still think Daenerys' name is Khaleesi. <laughs> <laughs> so if, they, if, they, if that's just, or just the blonde one. Or just the blonde one. Yeah. Which is like, if they don't even know the her name, lady. then they mm-hmm. definitely don't know who John's knows parents yeah. are. <laughs> that seems pretty straightforward. I think I, we can go out of
1: a the limb there. Right. So <laughs> they've got to have it. They've got to have a scene going, uh, uh, why don't you and I elope, you know, and start a war? That would be great. You know, okay. My guess is I think that's a great idea. You? How, how about you, Lyanna, elope with
0: me, Rhaegar Targaryen? Rhaegar. You know, like they say their names. The all son the way of Aerys. Yeah. Yes, I am the son of the Mad King. You are the son of uh, the daughter of Rickard Stark. Ned Stark's brother. Let's elope. Let's conceive a baby. Is that yeah. A... Fuck Robert. Anyway.
2: As much as it is a. Uh humorous to us that people maybe don't fully get even remember characters names or whatever right but how many people out there honestly read the book one time read read the first book one time and at the end of it realized oh they must be da-da-da. you know what i mean like i, I missed it totally, totally. So, my first read
0: through i john snow mystery
2: pff, went right over my head yeah i knew nothing. same here <laughs> and and i i had already seen the first season when i started reading the first book so even things like you know who's who the lannister kids were the baratheon slash lannister kids were I don't know if I would have realized that
0: until the moment it was revealed in the book if I wasn't already aware of it. So it's one of those things that once you're pointed in the right direction on it, it's like, oh, oh, oh. But if you don't catch any of those clues, you could easily have it all go past. Yeah, it's not stupid to have not caught these things. It's just, you know, there are a lot of people that don't know. You know, it's not – some sort of lack of intelligence it's just you know you just missed a clue or two and you never got on that track once you get on the track you can't get off there are a <laughs> lot of
2: things to catch and there are yeah. a
0: lot of pieces on the board so super chat from craig lewis i think we get another reunion in winterfell i believe they sent gendry there to start forging little to start forging little finger not going to have a good day there was no army when sansa was looking out veil vale gone yeah, well, the Vale army isn't that big. I mean, there was like two, two 3,000 knights, so they could that could be elsewhere, and I don't think they'd be sitting outside in the snow anyway. I like this idea of Gendry going to Winterfell. We did talk about that last time, especially because that was what Davos said to Jon in the first place. That's what Gendry was going to be doing. He's going to go to Winterfell and be a forge Clovis, the, the blacksmith. So I, I hope that happens. That um, might explain part of what Arya's plan is. If mm-hmm. Gendry
2: shows up there, they have a reunion. She's like... Hmm. Screw this place! Yeah, I'm out of here.
1: Let's go, uh, Gendry. (laughs) And Gendry. Hey, Aziz. Uh, real quick, before we go into this, I, I'm sorry, I'm like about a minute behind, but I've got the Ice and his is the Song of Ice and Fire quote, I think it'd be really nice to read it for the, uh, maybe the show only watchers. Sure, let's do that. Um, yeah, go for so it. So this is, this is from the House of the Undying, and this is Danny seeing a series of visions. It says, Viserys, her first thought, the next time she paused, but a second glance told her otherwise. The man had her brother's hair, but he was taller, and his eyes were a dark indigo rather than lilac. Aegon, he said to a woman nursing a newborn babe in a great wooden bed. What better name for a king? Will you make a song for him? The woman asked. He has a song, the man replied. He is the prince that was promised, and his is the song of ice and fire. Booyah! (laughs) He looked up when he said it, and his eyes met Danny's. And so he's talking about his first son, Aegon, that he had with Elia in this scene, uh, I think most people think. Mm-hmm. I think we all interpret that he eventually figured out that actually he needed to make another child, then that would be the prince that was promised, which will actually be John. So we could see something like this in in the flashback.
0: Right. Prophecies can be tricky. <laughs> yes, they can. This one didn't work out so well for Rhaegar, did it? No, but it might work out for his descendant.
1: <laughs> he kept trying though; he didn't give up. That's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> kept
0: plugging away. We have two more super chats. One from Aaron Habig saying, thanks again. Hype and love. Ooh, hype and love. It's like light and love. That's great. Mm -hmm. I like that. Well, thank you very much, Aaron. You're very good to us. Also from Perry in Mexico, just a thanks. Well, thank you, Perry. That's really awesome of you to do that. We're very happy to have you here and happy to be chatting about the finale. So... I love that uh, you pulled that quote, LML, that's really um, good fuel for the v- visions that Bran might be having fire, which is cool, because he's sitting by the fire, so that fits well. I wish he was sitting by the weirwood, because that would be more clear that he's having visions, but he can have visions away from the, the weirwood, and he can have multiple scenes, but if he's not having a vision by the fire, then I wonder what that scene's about, you know, like just having a conversation with him, maybe getting his thoughts on John. Uh, you know. So, uh, you, you remind me of a subtle thought that
2: I've had several times this season. They've used fire, or just in a past episode or in the preview for this next one, they've used fire <clears throat> in a scene kind of prominently. That opening shot last episode that's kind of painting the painted table toward the nor- north yeah. with the fireplace in the background. There was a scene where they cut, pretty sure they cut from John, to Danny and Tyrion talking, but the cut was to the fireplace and then backed mm. out and we see them talking in front of it. And I think one thing they're doing there is showing us where fire is, you know, like showing us that th- these characters that represent fire, th- they're adding to that. But it's also, it's winter, it's cold and they're in front of fireplaces. There's a, yeah, that's uh, a an point. element of realism here yeah. that, that is... Physically, they would be cold and they would be in fireplaces as part of winter. They're dressing differently, you're right. et cetera, et cetera.
0: Sean, um, or Sean, I, I was meant to say Sansa. <laughs> <laughs> Sansa in that shot is walking on the battlements and there's just snow piled up. Yeah. You know, it's definitely you're right. It's more the onset of winter. And uh, as the Night King draws closer to the wall or perhaps crosses it this episode, that might be, you know, the walkers bring winter with them, et cetera. Another super chat from Perry down. Um, thank you very much for that I don't see a question attached But we appreciate that I see a lot of people commenting Perry is a boss That's <laughs> right, that's right We interacted on Twitter for the first time today Perry is um, a lady, not a man huh. Yes, the, Perry is a, you know It's hard to tell That, can, that name can go either way So <laughs> it's, a, it's a, one of those names Well, thank you very much for that, Perry We appreciate it So let's see here Let's move on Let's go uh, to Dragonstone, which we're pretty sure, but not 100% sure, that these scenes are going to happen before the armistice. The armistice talk. For one thing, this is on the way to King's Landing. If they're sailing from the north to King's Landing, it, Dragonstone isn't even out of the way. It's literally on the way. It would make sense that they'd stop off there. Uh, maybe people get dropped off, other people get picked up. Certainly other people get picked up, that's for sure, because we see Masande uh, at the you know in the group of people that show up at King's Landing. And Masande wasn't, you know, in the north. <laughs> so they'd have to stop off and pick her off. So the only possibility is that there's multiple scenes before and after a Dragonstone, but since that's we can't assume that there's any Dragonstone scenes after, it's a safer guess that they come before, but we know we don't know for sure. And what one thing that's slightly interesting to me here, I think this is maybe a bit of a stretch, but worth considering, is that remember last season how they did this? At the end of the brand's vision of the Tower of Joy, they focused on the baby's eyes, and then they did a fade to John's face to kind of give a visual clue that this baby is John. And that was in the finale, and it was a fade from a brand vision to, to real time. Remember that brand is sitting by the fire. Now we have a still that Asha is going to pull up of John by the fire. Not the same fire. This is a Dragonstone. It's the same fire that that Tyrion and J- Danny were having their chats in front of. So John is here in this chat room, you know, this Solar or this this you know whatever they want to call it. And I like the idea that they call it a chat room. <laughs> <laughs> chat rooms before chat rooms, and. So I wonder, you know, there's probably some discussion about strategy here, or what they're going to say to Cersei, or maybe they're trying to convince Daenerys not to go. Maybe they say, "Danny, stay here. I'll be your representative," something like that. Because that's a thing that's got me thinking. All these trailer shots, Arya not being in any of the Winterfell scenes is maybe something, <laughs> but Danny not being seen in any of these King's Landing scenes is more telling. Even though it might just be she's going to make a late entrance, fly in on her dragon. Like it yeah. easily be that. What but, if she
1: just were to circle the city overhead with her dragons to sort of just make the point?
0: Yeah, that's, that's I could definitely see that to so like a show of intimidation, a show of power, I could absolutely 100 percent see that. In fact, we have that shot um, from Brand's vision from way back. Where he sees the dragon shadow over King's Landing. Now that could be Danny. It could be that could be the Night King. Yeah, that could be the Night King. I don't think it.
1: No, I don't think it could be the Night King because it's daylight and there's no snow. And I don't Uh, think the others are going to come that far south until it is the sun is off. I agree. We haven't seen them in sunlight.
2: It could be him on his own, just on a scouting mission or a show
0: of force. It could be. That's really far south, but I think what LML is saying is we've never seen them. They seem limited by, by being able, not being able to leave winter itself. But if the dragon amplifies his power? Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. I, I'm not saying it's not possible, but you can see why we're very down on the idea. Yeah. Because yeah. it would be... I'm not saying it's likely, but
1: I have to wonder. Yeah, I have absolutely. To wonder. It could also be much later. You know, it could also yeah, be like yeah. the next in season. In the books, the others are like vampires. They can't come out during the day at all. Yeah. So, And it seems like the show is, is mostly following that.
0: It also explains why the walkers have moved so slowly. They're waiting for the real onset of winter. You know, they've showed up in the beginning of season one in the very first scene, and they're just now getting to the wall. Exactly. Which implies that... That the weather is a limitation or that they're waiting you know whatever there's other impl- yeah. implications you know they could be just waiting for the seven kingdoms to tear itself apart <laughs>
1: <laughs> but to the earlier point like all danny really needs to do is fly those dragons overhead to make the point and mm-hmm. she already knows about the scorpions now because they they yeah. shot drogon with one so she knows they're fully planning on the fact that cersei could hide scorpions around king's landing
0: that is true Speaking of snow, the Snow and Winterfell super chat popping in to say, Hey, working this beautiful Saturday in northwest New Jersey, pulled over to send this. Thank you for a great season's worth of conversations, hype for tomorrow, and that Gendry lives on. That's right. Snow and Winterfell was adamant with me that that Gendry would survive in the north. And he was right. So I'm glad he was right. (laughs) Because we're happy that Gendry wasn't just a, you know, return for one episode and then die kind of character. So we'll have to see where he turns up because, again, he does not appear to be in King's Landing. Winterfell's a great possibility. He could just be chilling at Eastwatch, though. Someone's got to lead Storm's uh, They're still storm that, lines, too. So. That's still there's true. That's true. So we have a couple other characters that we're wondering about as far as Dragonstone and whether these characters interact with anybody when they're at Dragonstone. You know, because this whole group of characters is coming down. Davos, Missandei, Tyrion... Danny, John, Sandor. You know we already talked about Gendry, who appears to not be in the group. But that's a lot of different interactions. Sandor, well, him at Dragonstone. I'm not sure there's as much for him to do there. You know, maybe he'll talk to I don't know Theon or Tyrion or somebody. You know, just have a have a chat with Tyrion. Sandor and Tyrion could be interesting. Get
2: sit down and have a nice cup of tea.
0: <laughs> and uh, there's are there any conversational pairings at Dragonstone that you think might be interesting there, LML? Anything that you're looking forward to in particular that you had ideas about?
1: Uh, It's almost like looking at an entire feast and wondering where to eat first. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's just a matter of what actual food will they serve us? (laughs) I'm very interested to see, like, what the dynamic is on Dragonstone before they go to King's Landing. I assume that that's how it's going to go. You know, they'll meet at Dragonstone first. And I just want to see, like... I have to admit, I just want to see more Danny and John. Like, they left off last time. I want to see them together more and see what they do and, and see what happens. Because they they logically should team up, and they're falling for each other. So the only thing yes. holding them back is the incest, and they don't know about that yet. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> incest is best. Uh,
0: so, you had something else to say, Sean? Just thinking about the idea of what might
2: happen on Dragonstone and whether or not it's before or after the meeting at King's Landing, it just leads me to think about in general, where do we think this episode is going to end? Like, do you think that they're all going to go meet at King's Landing, air their grievances, shake hands and be cool and go back home and have a nice cup of tea with Sandor? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, what do we think is going to come out of this meeting? It's probably not all going to be happy and fine. Yeah. You know? And, and if it is, that, that end of the episode, end of the season, everything's happy and fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just I mean, don't see no that. Way. Something's yeah, right? gotta
0: happen. It could so, end with the wall coming down yeah. or something. That, that's
2: my popular choice, yeah. anyway. But I, I, one thought is that the meeting is early in the episode and things seem to be, everyone seems to be on the same page, but then they part ways and then start conniving or discover new information. Mm. New drama starts to unfold. Or it could be that it's toward the end that the meeting happens. And that the meeting ends in some sort of dramatic event. Danny flies in with the dragon. Cersei seizes someone. Whatever it is, you know, the Night King shows up. You know, something. <laughs> I'm not sure which is going to be, but I think it's possible. I think the default is that they're, they convene at Dragonstone, then head to King's Landing. But it's possible they have the meeting at King's Landing and then go their separate ways, and at Dragonstone, find out
0: Sansa's lost control of Winterfell, or something, or the walls come down, or something like that. You know. Couple more super chats here. One from Like Sinking Ships. Always loved Cersei slash Tyrion scenes. Historically, a lot of one ups until someone throws a slap or a cup of wine. <laughs> what will that dynamic be like in a diplomatic setting? Thanks for awesome content. Yeah, you know, I, I almost feel like it would have been smarter for them to not bring Tyrion, to not bring anything that would agitate Cersei, because they want her, they need her to cooperate, and they can't count on her to be reasonable. Maybe she will be, but they can't count on that, and so bringing bringing Tyrion, the person she hates most in the world, as like a chief negotiator, chief part of this, I think that might be a diplomatic error. (laughs) It may, and I do think that it may have her on edge a little bit, because she's, you know, she hates him so much. She's she's a little irrational about it.
2: I largely agree with you, but... It seems like if they do convince Danny to not go, Tyrion has to go. Yeah, can't you yeah. can't have Danny and Tyrion not go, right? Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. So you get the hand. So the, the, the yeah. fact that Tyrion is there makes me believe even more that maybe
0: Danny doesn't go. Hmm, that's a good point. That's a good point. And we know that we do know that John does a lot of the speaking, if not the majority of the speaking too. So, like in that in the trailer shot, John is speaking almost certainly to Cersei and Tyrion. We have no lines from him, so he might just be standing there which would help. (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) Definitely having Tyrion deliver the dialogue would probably not go great for them. All right, several more Super Chats here. From Perry again. Thanks, Perry. Do you think there will be an actual betrayal with violence in the Dragon Pit next episode? See, the Sandor drawing his sword is something... It could be another one of those trailer tricks where he just sees his brother and is like... Are they just... You know, they're just you know, being alpha and a little bit of dick measuring, you know? Or just someone makes a move, but it's not like... It's just... Threatening I, but not outright I think, aggressive. I think it's he's going to demonstrate that the zombie's a zombie. Okay. going to
2: like let the zombie out of the box. Sam's going to take his sword. It's going to run at him. He's going to chop its arm off, and it's going to get up and run at him again. He's going to chop its leg off. it's going to ride around on the ground. He's going to stab in a heart, and it's still going to ride around on the ground. You see, everyone, <laughs> y'all yeah. know the hound. I like that theory. warrior. He
1: can't kill this zombie. Dude, I'm ready. I'm ready to make Sean the director. Come on, man. <laughs> let me start a petition. <laughs> his ideas are great. <laughs> I saw a funny meme too on Twitter that was like uh, John, you know, and Danny talking like, "We need to find a zombie to show Cersei," and then the other picture is just the mountain, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just standing there. I was like, "Yeah, we know about that." <laughs> uh, super chat from Phyllis,
0: Phyllis Ashley can't stay for the rest of the live stream, but cheers to History of Westeros and LML and the work you all do. Hopefully, I'll see you at DragonCon. Oh, that's awesome, Phyllis. Yeah, hopefully we we do see you at DragonCon. There'll be a a crowd of us. You can hopefully you'll recognize us from a distance. DragonCon is crazy. With there'll probably be eighty thousand people or more this year. There were seventy-seven thousand last year. and It's grown about every year. So might be hard to pick people out of a crowd, but it's a long weekend, so <laughs>
2: we'll have to find some way to come up with meeting points, or we'll have to wear yeah red bandanas or something to identify something like each that. other.
0: <laughs> History of Westeros banner just carrying yeah. around, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also from Alia Teheda, thank you for this. Do you feel it is in Cersei's best interest to agree to the armistice or will she try to attack? I don't think she'll try to attack, though she might pull some kind of maneuver. Like, one of the ideas that I think is on the table is that she tries to kidnap Daenerys, which, you know, that's a threat of violence, but it's mostly like a maneuver that you grab her and then you hold everybody off. You don't actually necessarily maybe kill more than a few guards. Then no one can do anything because Danny's like got a knife to her throat or something like that. But again, would they ever, how would, it doesn't seem like they would let Danny get close to anyone. Like, they would always, yeah. like, the Dothraki are there. Like, there's several Dothraki there. They would stand in front of her. And uh, yeah. So I think maybe she'll agree to the armistice in order to buy even more time and then pull a move. That's certainly a, an option as well. Maybe
2: they'd try to seize Tyrion and Danny has to let that go. Or, um, seizing Danny might, on one hand, nullify the dragons, but the dragons are wild card. The dragons might just kill everyone, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I Let me tell you what I think, a thing that I can think of that kind of makes
1: sense. Write the ending, Beard. Come on.
2: <laughs> well, this isn't necessarily <laughs> for the ending, but part of this also includes a logistical problem that I haven't quite come to terms with yet in the first place is how did she get the Dothraki across in the first place? And the best I've got is but that, she
0: said she had a lot of ships left.
2: Right. She had some ships left, and even if they had to ferry back and forth a few times... Right. But now that the Dothraki across... And the Unsullied, mm-hmm. all there around King's Landing. Yeah. Euron's fleet is out in the harbor. Yeah. What if they turn and take Dragonstone and whatever fleet Danny had is trapped or defeated, and now all her
0: forces are trapped there outside King's Landing. Now, well the problem with that is the dragons. Like the reason that night battle worked was because the dragons couldn't couldn't help. But yeah. in daylight, you can't you can't assault the stronghold at night. That's just not like militaristically feasible. So the dragons are still a huge counter-strike against the fleet doing anything, you know. They just do either. not have the ability to fight back against that, as far as we know. Maybe they have. Maybe all the ships have been outfitted with scorpions, but still, that's still tricky, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but it's. A, I agree, that's a possibility. Like, I certainly agree with the the concept of, oh, all the armies have come, so that means everything's open. That was something that Jamie even mentioned early this season, yeah. like go where the uh, where the enemy isn't. You know, like I learned my mistake at the Whispering Wood. Attack where the enemy isn't, but. The problem with that is, like, what else is there besides Dragonstone to go after? Right. And if Danny's not even there, then what's the point? Like, taking Dragonstone isn't even that big a deal. It's like, Castro dragon. Like, okay, go ahead, take it. We've got other yeah. places to yeah. go. Um, it's not like she has her kids there or something. Or her, you know, Missandei's not even there, you know. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So that's the problem with that theory, is where else would they strike? Winterfell? You know, like that seems kind of militaristically odd that she could sneak an army up there while this is happening, you know? And how much would Danny care about that? We happen to know Danny might care about
2: it, but from Cersei's perspective, you know.
0: Does she even have an army capable of doing that right now? Are our the, mercenaries there? You know, as far as we know, they're not. They're, they might be on their way, they might be coming later. Well, I, I do like your Tyrion idea, though, by the way. The idea that Cersei says, okay, I'll agree to the armistice, but you have to give me Tyrion. That's my price. Give me Tyrion, or give me Sandor, or something like that. She's like, I get this guy, and I'll greet you. And that would be really hard to say no. Like, this is humanity. They're talking about what's what's Tyrion's life in face. Cersei might realize that she can get away with that in a bargaining situation. If John, others are willing to risk their lives.
2: If he's willing to bend the knee, like. Maybe you could argue Tyrion
0: himself should be willing to give his life for this yeah. greater cause, you know. What do you think about all this LML? We haven't let you weigh
1: in on yet. I uh we've been sort of talking about this all episode, or you guys have, uh, as far as like what's gonna happen at the end. Uh i as soon as I saw the preview, it seems to me like they're hiding something. We only see shots of the Dragon Pit scene, the Dragonstone scene, and one quick one at Winterfell and I guess the the boats. Um and it just seems like there's something not there. Like it's an eighty minute episode. Yes. So I don't know. I, I, here's my prediction, okay? So what I think they might do is they'll build up the tension in, in the dragon pit scene. Everyone's going to be talking. It'll get tense. Maybe someone will draw a sword. Maybe we'll get Clegane Bowl, but it doesn't actually resolve anything. And then they'll use the onset of the long night, which, of course, I hope for an eclipse to, to start that one we'll see something dramatic like that happen. Like right when all the narrative tension is built in the scene, all of a sudden they'll look up at the sky and the sun will go dark.
0: Mm. Oh, that would be so cool.
2: What if that's the reason the season was delayed, is so they could time the episode with an eclipse with the eclipse that they knew was going to be happening? That would be cool. That'd be <laughs> seems really like cool. seems like it should have been last
0: week, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. it would have been even better if it fell on that day. of yeah. the next day, but it's still it's as close as they can get. Because they did do that for Father's Day and Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of, anyway.
1: Well, more than sort of. But. but the whole point is to like to steer everything into this situation that seems to have no solution and then use an external force to sort of break it wide open. Yeah, And everybody could start panicking and chaos. I mean, who knows what will happen if the sun just goes dark in the middle of, you know, John's speech or something. Man, I would not <laughs> see that coming.
0: Well, now I will. But <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah, there's so many possibilities. I love being in the dark about this episode. Ooh, pun. Being in the dark about this episode because this is a season that's been just racked with leaks and spoilers, and especially the last episode was leaked like crazy. Our last Saturday stream, a huge spoiler, was dropped by an an Uber troll, and a lot of us got spoiled, including me, and that was no fun at all. So I'm glad that that's... Almost impossible this time. I mean, there are some script leaks out there, but those are a lot harder to trust, and a lot fewer people have seen them, and, you know, know, we don't have visual evidence. It's a lot harder to get to spread that around. So, I really like... I accidentally read four pages of the script. (laughs) You mean you actually wrote... Someone tweeted it at me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, also, super chat from Alba Waterhouse. First time joining you live. Greetings from Germany. Awesome. Thanks for being so great. Also, you, LML. I love your podcast. Heart. thank you great well thank you very much Alba <laughs> that is awesome we are glad you're joining us for Germany that is you know Shaa points out that it's true that we the internet is worse for us at this time which is kind of odd the middle of the day on Saturday and the Saturday streams are a little more fraught with problems because of that reason but they they still run smoothly enough and the advantage is that we are the Europeans can come you know because on our, our evening streams during the week, it's really late at night for Europeans, and there's not much we can do about that. Sean, you know, has his regular work schedule, Radio Westeros, same thing. So we do it when we can, but we're glad to have these Saturday streams, because it, it opens things up for a lot more people. And we want to have as many people involved as possible. We want to have a thousand people. <laughs> yes, a thousand people <laughs> gets us Sean dancing, and 6,000 people gets the 24-hour stream. <laughs> a 24-hour stream, it's so insane. We
1: are not particularly close to either of those, by the way, but <laughs> it's fun to talk about. I just want to give a little compliment to the chat in general. Lots of really good comments. Everyone's super friendly. I don't even have to block anybody. The one person I blocked, it was an accident, and we unblocked him, and <laughs> everybody's just super friendly. I just want to say thanks, guys.
0: Yeah, we do. Uh, we we have cultivated a, a great group here, and not entirely troll-free, but mostly troll-free, and that's great. Because I think I, th- I think these this trolling problems happen more elsewhere. And uh, I guess that says good things about you guys. So let's have a little brief segue before we get back to the King's Landing armistice. Let's talk about some of these side plots. Sam and Gilly. All right, so we already talked about the possibility that we just won't see them again this season. They'll turn up later. What do you guys think? Prediction. Sean, you first. Will we see Sam and Gilly? If yes, where? Where will they turn up? Well, I had already been predicting that they
2: would head home first. To Sam's home first, since it's, it's nearby. It's pretty much on the way to anywhere Sigo. Yeah. And from there, I was thinking that he would probably go to Winterfell, but that it also wouldn't be that terribly out of the way to go to Dragonstone first, and that he has a motivation to go there, especially if he hears that Jon is there. Yes. Um, I'm a little less sure about that, though, because that's a lot of traveling and interaction to have all of just one episode. It is an hour, 20 minutes, or whatever, but I still feel like they should give us at least a scene just a reminder but it seems like several storylines ended earlier in this season you know yeah and it seems weird to pick them back up on the last episode so maybe (laughs) they just give us an image to let her know where they are where they're headed but i don't expect to see very
0: much that's my thought is we won't see very much if anything okay So what about you, LML? What's your prediction
1: for Sam and Gilly? Uh, Gilly is going to walk out in the middle of the dragon pit and declare John's true parentage and settle everything. She's going to be like, everyone be quiet. I'm just a wildling. But let me tell you about Ragger. (laughs) Ragger. Good old Ragger. He had an annelment, and (laughs) I don't know. Um, I love Sam and Gilly. I have no idea what they're going to do with them, though. All I have is jokes. He wants to, she wants to see the destroyed sept.
0: (laughs) She wants to make sure there aren't any windows left. (laughs) So, yeah, so my my personal prediction here is that we will see them turn up somewhere. And Winterfell is is fairly likely. I like the idea of Horn Hill because, you know, they can maybe have some resolution there. But I kind of feel like they're going to rush past that. Because there's a little time. And I also agree with you that if we see Sam and Gilly, it'll just be one. So they're not going to see them at two locations. That's That seems a bit much, considering how little screen time they get in general. But maybe they'll show up yeah, Dragonstone is another possibility, I guess. There is a
2: chance that we get some awkward interaction where it's realized, you know, Sam realizes Danny killed his brother, and Danny realizes, oh, you saved Jorah, and I killed your brother, you know, like yeah. maybe some remorse comes, some reevaluation. Um, but again, and I would love to see that. I just don't know if they're gonna find time for that.
0: Okay, yeah, I kind of agree. Okay, so let's talk about, let's move on to Melisandra. She said that she will be coming back and she said that she's gonna die in this strange country. Now, having both of those things happen in this episode seems unlikely. And of course she has to return before she can die. So do you guys think that she comes back this season or next? Start with you, LML, since we started with Sean last time.
1: I would say next season.
0: Okay, what about you,
2: Sean? I, similar to how I feel about Sam and Gilly, they don't have enough time to commit to it the next season. However, I wonder if it's connected to Arya. If if mm. I'm right about Arya not staying in Winterfell, maybe she crosses past Melisandre somehow. Hmm. A- again, it seems like a lot for Melisandre to not just come back from Essos, but, to, be somewhere, but yeah. to come back having done whatever she meant to do over there and get to Winterfell yeah, and have Arya leave likely. Winterfell and meet with her. They couldn't do much. If they do meet, there's not a lot of time for whatever meeting happens. Even for the fast pace of this season, that's a bit yeah. much, yeah. But maybe it would make sense for Melisandre to re-meet. Oh, no, she can't re-meet with Thoros. She can re-meet with Barrack, I guess.
0: But Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think that's next season, so we, we pretty much all agree on that. Um, what about her prediction for Varys dying? That could happen this season. I feel like that's coming later, too. But it's got to be on the table. we got to at least consider it, at least for a minute. You guys, what about uh, Al You think maybe Varus dies this episode, or you think that's also in the future?
1: No, he's too useful to, to keep around, probably.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm with you there. What about you, Sean? doesn't put himself in harm's way. That's my first litmus test. So. Okay. Well, he'll, he'll be with the group at the Dragon Pit, but yeah, I mean, no, no necessarily a reason to pick him out of all the people there that's in danger. I think if something does happen to him, it's part of a much bigger event, something else that we're not quite anticipating at all. Okay. Okay. All right, so let's talk about the Ironborn, another subplot here. This is this one that has a lot more fodder because there is this shot uh, that we showed earlier of Theon stumbling into the surf, which is pretty interesting. And then, but we also have Theon that Ishae is pulling up here in a second, being at Dragonstone. You can tell because of the rock. This is a very unique rock formation. So he's definitely at Dragonstone at some point, which probably he's just been at Dragonstone this whole time. Maybe he's been off doing some rescue mission for Yara, so forgetting the timeline, do you guys think that Yara gets rescued this episode? Or that it's left open, or that she dies? Those are basically the three options that I see. The three main possible we'll start with you this time, Sean.
2: I'm going with rescued. I think that there I think part of this episode is gonna be a focus on Theon and Or, Yaron and or Yara, and
0: that I'll say there's a rescue attempt. It might fail but I think there's a rescue attempt. Now, before you answer LML, I want to point out that Theon is, again, or actually, I think I said this already, but I want to remind you all, that Theon is not only seen with Tyrion and Varus on a ship coming to King's Landing, but he is seen walking into the Dragon Pit. So what we can't assume, what we can't guess, is that he's off rescuing Yara while this is happening on some sneak mission, because he's definitely at King's Landing when all this goes down. So LML, with all that in mind, with Euron ships being seen as well, Shae going to pull that up as well, the uh, Euron ships being all masked, which is just a beautiful shot. What do you think is going to happen here with uh, Yara, Euron, and Theon?
1: Well, it seems like, uh, so the first question was, are they going to do something with the Ironborn plot before the end of the season? It seems like they are, just because of everything you said. Yeah. Uh, And I've heard a couple people speculate that Euron might be one of those seek surprises or traps that is going to be sprung. And it kind of makes sense. Euron's a dastardly dude. He's somebody that will do things that have no honor. So, uh, yeah, we, I think we will see some sort of combustion there. I have no idea how to predict what's going to happen. I'm a little nervous about Yara and, and the the showrunners sort of the way they've handled, uh, violence and women and things like that in the past. So yeah. ho- hopefully we won't have anything to complain about. Uh, we'll just cross our fingers, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's, it's been almost a relief that we haven't gotten Yara torture scenes because obviously book you're on is very much torturous and so far show Euron has not had that streak, which is nice because we really didn't need a third villain in a row that was like that. We already got plenty of torture out of Joffrey and, and Ramsay. It's really just, we just <laughs> it's been done, come on. you know, <laughs> Cersei did some awful torturous stuff this season too. I mean, yeah, we just don't need more of that. Um, so yeah, so it, I totally agree with your thought that if Cersei has some sort of chicanery plan that Euron was very, is not unlikely to be involved in it, but we will have to see. Super chat from Elon stiritz Love you guys so much. Keep all the great work. Shout out to my Queen of Love and Beauty. And can we see your earthquake kitties? <laughs> well, that's up to them. If they wander in the room here, we'll grab them. But so far, they have not, I don't see any cats in the room right now. They're behaving one bad. oh right there. We do have a cat sleeping in a box right here. We could <laughs> grab him a bit later. So we'll we'll see. We'll do we'll we'll do that as the episode is ending, if he's still there. <laughs> All right, it's good. To, uh, yes, we do have a good house full of dire cats. Four indoor, one outdoor. Two of them have Game of Thrones names. <laughs> okay, so the one of the cool things about King's Landing to look forward to isn't just the armistice and this big, awesome chat that's coming and this showdown of sorts is what comes before it. And there's some interesting stuff here. There's a variety of shots of Cersei and Jaime is pulling up this first one where they're, Cersei seems to be holding her stomach sort of protectively almost, or maybe she's referring to their child, which is, you know, like maybe they're she's arguing, he's arguing against something, and she's like, what side are you on, you know, belly, look, this is our kid, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, so I think there's a, like I said, there's a variety of shots, and there's a, seems like there's agitation in Jamie's face, argumentative, you know, he looks unhappy, Usually he
2: seems totally fine with everything that Cersei's doing. <laughs> this agitation he's showing, I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah, it's
0: so <laughs> weird. What is going on? Super chat from Michelle DeMarco from Canada. We'll watch you guys. We'll watch later. You guys are awesome. Thanks for all your work this season. Thank you, Michelle. We appreciate that. Now there's um, another shot here of Jamie and Cersei kind of facing each other. And you can kind of see the way she's got an open palm and his, uh, his hand, the way it's kind of gesticulating Looks like an argument. It looks like emphatic discussion at the the lightest. And there's another shot here that I think is interesting that maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but look at this image of Jamie in the mountain. Normally, I went back and looked at a lot of different shots of the mountain. When he's standing there, mostly his arms are at his side, but in this shot, he's pulled his hand up to his sword. Almost like Jamie is getting so agitated that he's like, hey, (laughs) don't forget what's up. And then you can almost imagine Jamie being like, "What? are You gonna sick him on me? Really? Are we really going this far?" You know. Uh, so I feel like this is uh, whatever Cersei's got planned. Jamie is not down with it, <laughs> which is maybe gives some sort of generic clue as to what she's got in mind. Jamie might not be down with the idea of Cersei taking Tyrion prisoner. Sure. Um, it, maybe it pushes back against the option that Cersei's going to accept the armistice in order to make a move later that might be less likely because of you know Jamie might be wouldn't ar- I don't think Jamie would argue against accept the armistice <laughs> yeah right i agree he might argue against the move later but that would be later so i don't know if he would upset about that in the short term and of course we didn't pull this shot but there's the other shot of Jamie and Braun looking out over the tower surveying all these armies that are out there they watch the grey worm and the unsullied lining up and they see the Dithraki coming, and neither of them look happy. They don't look like they're getting ready to pull some trick. So either they're not in on it, or they're just like, oh boy, this is a huge risk, oh boy, this is dangerous, I don't know. So, you got to imagine it's not... This
2: is a new experience for Jamie to be on the losing side. He usually is the best fighter, the best family, the best house, the best warriors, the best army, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and he's being faced with being out... Numbered, outmaneuvered, outpowered, et cetera, et cetera. It's got to be, he's got to be struggling with this on a lot of levels, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. Elmo, what's your take about these Jamie and Cersei interactions?
1: Um, I, I think the most of the shots they've given us seem to be indicating uh, that Jamie's show, he's sort of given Cersei like some side eye, some sort of suspicious glances and stuff. And so it seems like they're playing up the tension. It really all just depends on what Cersei does. If she does something, vile and horrible during this meeting that maybe that's the breaking point for jamie
0: yeah it really could be. because there's also a shot we didn't bother to pull this one because there's just so many shots of jamie doing this he's even making like kind of a frustrated face or a, like a looking at her kind of like what's the deal kind of face in the dragon pit when they're sitting down to have the the meeting he's still looking at her kind of funny so it's like this might go down to the wire with him being you know unhappy with the plan but again it just goes to show as we've been pointing out since Olena pointed it out, Jamie's just lost control of the situation entirely. This is all Cersei's gig. They've never been more unequal than they are now. Like, Cersei's never been more in charge than she has been, you know? That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, at the
2: same time, I'm pointing out Jamie probably feels less powerful than ever before. Cersei feels more powerful than ever before. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And again, going back to my thought of like, how do we think this is going to go? Do we think they're going to have this meeting? And at the end of the meeting, everyone's happy and in agreement and everything's fine. End of the episode. Probably not, right? So yeah. if we could get the, uh, I don't know, team, John Eris, if you will, leaves after the meeting, goes back to Dragonstone, contemplates what the next move is. And at the same time, we see Jamie and Cersei contemplate their next move. And maybe he keeps us cool, even if he his. Biden language shows frustration, but he keeps his mouth shut. But then after the fact, Cersei, I can't believe you shouldn't have. Now what? Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know, you know. Makes sense. We have another super chat from Perry saying, why is Cersei wearing fur? Is that shaggy dog? You know, uh-huh. that is interesting because it is like a wolf pelt. It might be intended as an insult, but I don't think it's actual shaggy dog. I don't know how she would have gotten a hold of, of that because Ramsay... And the, and the North, they weren't allies with Cersei. You know, they had broken free. They had betrayed the Lannisters to, to seize the North for themselves. So I kind of doubt they would ship the pelt south. It also looks too small, but it is a black wolf. Uh, apparently, and that's uh, that might be that's a good catch. I don't think it's a shaggy dog, but I do think it might be meant as an insult to the to the north. It maybe. would have been Shaggy Dog as source could have made it be Shaggy <laughs> dog. <laughs> if it was a light colored one, you'd wonder if it was lady, but yeah. you know he Ned sent Lady back north to be buried. okay. Uh, at least in the book, maybe that didn't happen in the show. It could be me crossing the streams again, but I think that's uh, I think that was done in both book and show. In any case, it's not lady because that is the wrong color. All right, another super chat. This one is from. Will you also look at the dock? when you have a chance? I have them all. A bunch of. Okay, shay has got them in the dock because they've kind of uh, several of them have flown by and yeah. a couple of them have already disappeared. So I will go there first. Um, from Elon Steeritz, will we get Jamie's book arc in the show at all? It really doesn't look that way. It really looks like because Cersei's arc has changed so much to be more of a main player, whereas there's a whole other player that's not in the show. Um given the changes to Cersei's arc, it's necessitated changes to Jamie's as well. It may still kind of end in the same place, but we don't know where the book arc ends at this point exactly. We just have a lot of solid predictions, at least we feel like they're solid predictions. So it's kind of hard to say, I feel like it might still cross, some of the streams might still cross over for, during the endpoints, but I'm not very confident in that. Um, LML, do you have a take on that? It seems like we crossed that bridge
1: a long time ago, right? Probably, yeah. It seems, it feels uh, like too much to hope for at this point. <laughs> Although I, I have to say, we don't know what George is, how George is going to finish that arc. And exactly, so, that's what I was saying. The same thing. Yeah, it's, it's without um, knowing the full
0: end of it, it's hard to even make that comparison. Okay, from John Gilbert, super chat, is the Sansa slash Arya rift misdirection? With all the talk in episode six, re-stealing faces, perhaps the sisters are luring Littlefinger into a trap to steal his. Well, I don't think they can both be in on it. We saw them alone, and there's no way they would suspect Littlefinger was snooping on them when they're in a room together with the door closed. There's
1: been a line exactly about that, about Sansa being taught to think that.
0: Being taught to think that. Do that
1: a guard you always, always pretend
0: that people are, are there. Okay, yeah. that's, that's a good point. To interrupt. Well, what I'm... Know. It still doesn't change my point that they, they would... It's unlikely that they're both in on it. But it does... What Shay is saying does mean it's possible that they're... Just in case he's listening, they're always doing this stuff. I'm not sure that they would want to give up her faces like that. You know, because they were talking about her faces. I'm suspicious but maybe. of
2: it. I've seen a lot of arguments for it. And I, and I don't think that they're ridiculous, especially since... Many of the things they've done with Arya's plotline, I thought was ridiculous. It <laughs> did was ridiculous, so why can't they do other ridiculous stuff? Things that I thought made sense, they didn't do. One thing about this that I, I, I was sort of analyzing why I am so suspicious of this, and again, this isn't necessarily a good reason, but it's because it feels weird that they wouldn't show us like they wouldn't let the audience see that they're coordinating this. Does that make sense? It's we generally speaking we get things from their perspective. So to have two different people whose perspective we normally get to have it hidden from us. Does that make sense? It yeah. Seems unusual. But like someone pointed out how Arya read that whole letter. Mm-hmm. And not only did I even consider the fact that in that episode that for all the things we want them to do, And they're taking the time to read this whole letter, you know. And someone else even pointed out that she kind of raised her voice to do it. So maybe they're Mm -hmm. trying to make sure Littlefinger hears this, you know. I I guess I can see some of these things, and I can't exactly tell you why I don't believe it, but I I don't believe it. Okay. And I guess at least I don't get the vibe either. Yeah. I think at least part of why I don't believe it is because what I do believe is that Arya is on this dark path and this is just more of it and it's frustrating Mm -hmm. as an audience for us to see it and maybe they sped it up too much or took it too far and it's obviously not popular but it is what i think is happening and i think it's been happening for a long time but it's been hard for us to see or accept it because she's one of the good guys and she's just this little girl and et cetera et cetera but i think she's been on a dark path for a long time and she's still just on it right now so
1: what were you gonna say LL? I was well I mostly agree with Sean and, and I definitely I think the major question is will Arya and Sansa work it out and end up on the same team here and all of this mm. sort of you know arguing will have just been a contrivance or is it really going to end in some sort of permanent schism or Arya mm. doing something horrible so we'll we'll just have to see I mean I I feel like the sisters Quarrel with each other, but they should have each other's back when it comes to external threats. That's how sisters always act, and brothers. So we'll see. But um, what would
2: make you think Ari's going to do something horrible?
1: <laughs> <laughs> From Neverend Super Chat, love y'all.
0: Do you think Danny will reveal the loss of Viserion? If the loss goes public, how do you think it will affect the balance power and public perception of Danny? Very good question. I don't know that she will. It'd be interesting if she flies up and Cersei's like, "I thought you had three of those." And Cersei and Jamie, it's, Danny could be like, "I thought you had three kids." Oh! <laughs>
2: she might reveal it. It would be, I don't know, uh, an admittance of a, a slip, you know, a loss of power or whatever. But... That this, might be why she doesn't come. That that could be too. Uh, but I will say that having the Onsoli raid, the Dothraki raid, and two dragons, it's... What if she only had two in the first place? People are like, oh, she doesn't even have three dragons. You know, she still well, has this it, massive army. They might be, not want people to know that, the, you know, that they can be right. killed. I, I do agree, but... Maybe she is willing to let people know, hey, the threat is real. These zombie armies in the north are trying to warn you about, they killed one of my dragons. That's mm. why I'm here trying to tell
0: you. Yeah. Like, you've got yeah, to it take it be, serious, yeah. you know. Super chat from Gildor and Glorian from Canada. Thanks for, for that, Gildor. I think we're considering Brienne being at King's Landing. Maybe she's the one who convinces Jamie to finally dump Cersei. Well, Brienne is absolutely at King's Landing. There's, there's shots of her there. We see her walking in with Podrick and John and Tyrion. And Sandor and all, all that group, which means she gets to interact with Sandor too, by the way. <laughs> um, I don't know that we're going to get a sh- chance for Jamie and Brienne to speak at all privately. That seems a little bit unlikely. But if we do get that, I agree that it's a possibility. Do you think maybe this is uh,
2: on the table? John thinks so. I bet they get a chance to speak privately. I think there will be some moment before they convene or some moment after they convene where we'll get a few characters like to get some words in with each other.
0: Cool. Okay. So also um, LML. What do you think? Do you think Brienne gets a chance to talk to Jamie? I think maybe they just cast long looks at each other from across the dragon pit. <laughs> Good call. Super chat from Joey M. Where is Septa Unella? Clegane's shadow baby. I don't want to know what her deal is <laughs> right now. <laughs> that's the start rough to think about what's going on in those dungeons with Elia Martell or Elia Sand rather Elia Elaria Sand rather <laughs> and uh, and Septa unel yeah I just, that's better left unsaid <laughs> I wonder though yeah I kind of doubt he can um, you know impregnate someone but oof yeah oof. <laughs> super I think she's probably just written out maybe the that's the prince that was promised no, oh jeez <laughs> From the Super Chat, from the Four Diamond Swords. I just want to thank you all for your content. I really enjoy your perspective and appreciate all of your hard work and research. Well, thank you very much, Four Diamond Swords. That sounds like a a very um, fancy set of swords there. That's um, a sword made of diamond. That is is bling right there. Well, we thank you for your awesome name (laughs) and the Super Chat. Okay, so there's this line from John. And as I read it, Ashay is going to pull up the awesome overhead dragon pit shot, which is just beautiful. Another amazing bit of scenery that we're getting this, this year. Now, something to note here is the three platforms as well. There's three platforms set up here, which appear, I would guess, are they're like little pavilions. I would guess that one is for Cersei and Janie, and we see them sitting at one of these. The other is intended for... The king in the north, or Sansa, because she invited Sansa. She right. might still be recognizing Sansa, because Sansa is a Stark. And in her regime, Sansa gets Winterfell. Not, John can't be king, it goes to Sansa. So she might be kind of stubbornly insisting that, you know, this under my regime, this is who rules. And then the other spot would be for Daenerys, uh, presumably. But the trailer shots show us that only Cersei seems to be actually sitting down. Because when John is delivering this line that says, there is only war, one war that matters, and it is here. He's not sitting there And he's standing up. He's when standing he stands, up. Yeah. He's not sitting in one of these pavilions. So it might be like, nope, I'm not a king anymore. I've knelt to Daenerys. She's, you know, there's two kingdoms now and that's it. Um, which might agitate Cersei a little bit. <laughs> so, um, that, we talked earlier about what you said about Sandor drawing a sword where he might just be cutting on the white to show, to give evidence. I really like that idea. I think that's pretty accurate. But, it could be Clegane Bowl, right? That's on the table as an option. People really, really want it to happen. Well, LML, do you think we'll get Clegane Bowl? Or do you think that's just um, maybe later we'll get it? Or do you think it's just a fan service thing that's
1: is not going to happen? I don't know. At, at this point, it would be pretty much of a cock tease if they don't give it to us. They're both going to put him so close together. Right, they're, they're putting him in the same place. And didn't we see that one shot that looks like a big fighter in, in a place like the Dragon Pit from the original? That's him.
0: Yeah, that's got to be him. We, we we have a lot of theories as to how that might not be an actual fight. But yeah, it could be. It very much could be.
1: Like I said, if they don't give it to us, they're sure as hell fucking with us pretty hard. So <laughs> Maybe that's is. even the reason that,
2: that uh, Gregor... Has his hand on his sword. Well that was and indoors. That was that was oh, inside was the red keep.
0: Yeah. yeah. But we definitely see the King's Guard standing behind Jamie and Cersei, you
1: know, in all seven of them, I believe. So I don't really have strong feelings about Clagain Bowl, but I'm just at this point I'm sort of what? I'm sort of <laughs> whoa, 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 what? <laughs> I'm just concerned for all the people out there that are. And I don't want to see like eighty thousand people's brains pop if they don't get Clagain Bowl. So I just hope <laughs> they give it to us for the sake of Reddit and the internet in general. <laughs>
0: Well, so there's a few other options for what might happen here. I think most of the, the, the major theories for what Cersei might do, we've already discussed. One that we haven't discussed, well, let me, <laughs> let's let review real quick. One is that she can accept the armistice and make a move later. Now, the argument against that is, is Jaime's very apparent arguing with her from the trailer shots. Um, now we've gotten in trouble reading body language from these trailers before, but this one there's just—it just seems a lot stronger this time with his gesticulating and his putting his hand down, and Gregor maybe looking a little agitated himself, things like that. So that's kind of maybe less likely, but there's the maybe the uh, idea that I like more, which is that she accepts it, but uh, but but makes a demand like, okay, but you have to give me Tyrion. <laughs> the option of her trying to kidnap Danny, which would forestall, you know, a violent counter-reaction because then well then they kill danny so he's like you attack us and danny dies that that could work wildfire something we brought up before as an option maybe she can try to hit these armies while they're just sitting there you know hit the Dithraki and the unsullied with wildfire mm, that seems maybe like they'd be going to the well again for something that's been done so um even if you're on ships shoot the, the wildfire you know that's an option but i i'm still kind of down on that possibility we also talked about the option of them attacking elsewhere while everyone's gathered, you know, so... Uh, but we all, the problem there is where? <laughs> what would be a great target? and We just don't have a great idea for that either. Plus, the idea that Cersei may not even have the military strength at the moment to do that if she hasn't brought the mercenaries in. So, it's pretty hard to, to get at. Like, I don't have... None of these theories really stand out as stronger than the others. LML, do you favor any of these theories over the others, or it just is it just kind of a I don't know kind of situation?
1: Yeah, I wish I, I wish I had a stronger take, but um, I don't I don't have a big prediction on this front.
0: Okay, Sean, what about you?
2: I've tried to put myself in Cersei's shoes, it's like you you pointed out that she feels like she, it doesn't matter if she's losing to zombies in the North or dragon riders at her doorstep, she's losing, you know? Yeah.
0: Doesn't and, matter. She, she doesn't care what happens after she's dead. She's right. like, well, if I die in the kingdom, everyone dies, I don't care, you know? And I, I tried to
2: consider that when considering that, I tried to think about how she might need one ally to beat the other. You know, she might need Danny in order to beat the Night King. And so that might be a reason to ally with her, even if only temporarily. Um, I don't. Even if it crossed Cersei's mind to ally with the Night King against Danny, she doesn't have a way to do that. So, uh, I, I feel like she will make a move to gain leverage, to gain power, and, but maybe not something that's reckless or destructive or suicidal. You mm, know, or okay. not, not that she thinks is,
0: but maybe it will end up being that way. I'm, I'm not sure. Super chat from Sir Hype the Dank. <laughs> nice name. She, the, he has a prediction here. She accepts, but plans a future move. Jamie is convinced about the coming threat and is disgusted that she would use the walkers as a means to power. Okay, yeah, I could kind of see that. If Jamie pr- agrees with the threat being real, If this meeting, like you said, is, the, is an outside chance that that what, these scenes of Jamie's agitation come after the armistice. And once Jamie's seen the white, and he's like, this is real, um, we should be helping to save the kingdom. And, and Cersei's like, "Nah, no, this is our opportunity. I could see that. Yeah, I can see that. That's valid. It seems like a, 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 definitely it should be considered.
1: Okay, um, onward. So. The other question is Is Cersei actually pregnant? Because if she's actually pregnant, then she's got more to care about. And if she doesn't and if she's lying, then she's a loose cannon. Yeah. I'm
2: pretty confident she is. I, I thought about it in a lot of angles, but then someone pointed out that there's actually a line you can barely hear as Jamie enters the chamber and Kyburn and Cersei are in there, and he says to her, I could give you something, and she says, that won't be necessary. And I think that's sort
0: of confirmation that she actually is pregnant. Yeah, because it was pretty clear Jamie didn't hear that conversation. Um, It wasn't for his benefit or anything, and it was hardly audible to us as well. So it's like usually they don't do that kind of thing as added sneakiness when you don't even know it's there. Um, I I agree with that, but there is certainly a chance that she's lying um, but I, yeah, I, I'm pretty much on team real baby. <laughs> <laughs> we have another image that apparently we missed everybody being there uh, together. And, uh, it's pretty cool to see this whole group of people coming in. I love the dragon pit the way it looks. And I'm really just so excited to see what happens here to see so many, because you know, they don't have time for all these reunions. There's too many. So you just really wonder which ones they're going to decide to prioritize, you know, Podrick and, and Tyrion, you know, Podrick and Bronn, probably not. But maybe, you know, Tyrion and the Hound could be interesting. The Hound and the Hound. and Bronn might be a little more likely,
2: even though maybe it's not as significant as some of the others. They're more likely to kind of be on the outskirts of the main happening. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's hard when Jamie's up on a stage to interact with, you know, Tyrion down on the ground, right? Yeah. But Bronn and Podrick might both be down on the ground,
0: you know? Yeah, that's true. And we have... um Lots of dithraki here in this group, too. So Danny's got, or if Danny's even there, she's got some guards. So that's the thing. I think we, we talked on this briefly earlier, but it really does seem like that's what's going to happen. It, either Danny's not going to come, or she's going to make some sort of grand entrance. Because she's not walking in with the group. She's not walking in with the Dithraki. It does look like Braun is leading the men. One of the shots makes it appear that there's like a t- tall guy that who's wearing that same kind of outfit Braun always wears, the black leather thing. And I, there's just no one else I could possibly imagine who it Braun
2: is. is someone yeah. that both sides would trust.
0: Yeah, so he's kind of escorting the men or whatever. And Kyburn uh, is another kind of a wild card here that we haven't talked about much. Kyburn's definitely here. We see him very briefly, you know, behind Cersei. And as we know, if she says something clever, we're going to do something clever. Then Kyburn's <laughs> in on it. You know, he's the main guy that implements her clever
1: plans. So big, uh, just adding to the mystery here. If they got to have somebody examine the zombie, Kyburn would be the logical person. He'd be pretty interested in the zombie.
0: Oh yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Have have the scientists take a look at the dead thing. He'd be like, yeah, I've seen this before. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's how it works. oh. Yeah. Story checks out. Story checks out. <laughs> He's like, bring them out and over here. We're to compare. Pokes them both, you know, like a little comparison. Gets their blood and vials. He's like, okay, this one's a little blacker than this one. Yeah, I'm very curious about Kyron's reaction to all this stuff. I kind of almost want like a Kyran point of view here. <laughs> Okay, so also, yeah, so let's, we have a super chat from Josh Miller. Do you think we'll see Cersei die and Jamie fulfills the prophecy? I mean, we see a still of them arguing. Could that lead to that? Well, the problem with the still of them arguing is that the mountain is there. Yeah. So Jamie's <laughs> not doing anything to Cersei with the mountain standing nearby. <laughs> he is not winning that battle, and he's not dumb enough to try. No matter how mad he gets, I don't think he would... Throw his life he, away, <laughs> not in that moment, but he may. It's I, I don't think it's going to happen this yeah. this episode, this
2: season. Uh, but I do think it is something that they've set up yeah. for Jamie to kill Cersei. But I don't think it's about to happen right yeah. here. I'm
0: extremely down on the idea of Cersei dying this year.
2: I also think that Jamie might be willing to give up his own life to take out Cersei for the greater good. Yeah, and I, I don't know how likely it is that he kills Cersei and now everything's fine. So that at least not the way things are going at the moment. Yeah,
0: but, yeah. I, I I don't I'm predicting neither Cersei or Jaime dies this this episode. All right, let's go to Beyond the Wall. Even though there's no trailer shots for it, it seems likely that we get something more from the Wall this season, seeing whether the, no, we gotta, uh, hopefully we get to see the Night King ride his dragon or take down the Wall with fire, if that's even possible. And here's a couple things that I wanna set the stage for before I let you guys throw out your ideas. On the advice of a, a listener slash watcher, watchener is our term there, and I, w- w- I can't remember who it was, so I, I should give this person credit, but I can't find where the comment was. I just remembered it later. And I went back and watched Daenerys in the House of the Undying. This was really important. First of all, as we all probably remember, the roof of the throne room is just obliterated, and there's just snow falling everywhere. I know some people think it's ash. But I'm confident that it's snow, especially after watching it again, especially the sound of cold wind blowing. There's like icy wind sounds and the way it crunches under her feet. And it just looks like snowfall. Anyway, that's not important. The point is that the throne room is obliterated and the throne itself is covered in probably snow. And she reaches for the throne and then stops and then takes a left away from the throne and walks through a door and she, and it's the gate to go beyond the wall, which is what just happened. She was going for the throne and then is interrupted by the threat to the North. And she goes beyond the wall, which is awesome. Long-term planning, which says to me that either they plan this really well in advance, or this is what George told them, which I lean more towards the latter because they're going to take most of their ideas from George when they can, because why, why would they make new stuff up when they have it already written? It's just easier for them, but sometimes they have to make new stuff up because in an adaptation. Now that scene continues, When she's north, she sees a tent and she goes inside the tent and it's Drogo holding their child. She recites the prophecy of Mary Mazdur talking about her inability to have children. And she's, you know, she's breaking down a little bit, crying a little bit, but then she kind of steals herself and walks out. And Drogo says nothing. And, you know, he had lots of lines before that talking about, well, maybe I wasn't ready to go to the nightlands because I was refusing to go without you, you know, and it's very emotional for her. And as soon as she walks out, She sees her dragons chained up on a little platform, and and uh, the warlock grabs her in chains and and holds her in prison, and goes on this line about power. He talks about how the the dragons are making them more powerful, and the closer they are to the dragons, the more powerful they are. They specifically speak of proximity, and he also says that's why they're keeping Danny alive because the dragons are more powerful in her proximity. So, transitive property, they're more powerful with Danny nearby. And the warlocks are more powerful with the dragon's nearby. So it's like, a, it's like a conduit. They're more powerful, and so that's why they want her alive and they want the dragon's alive, because it makes them more powerful. Now, take that concept and consider the Night King. Is the Night King more powerful because he's in proximity to a dragon, just like the warlocks were? If so, that's damn scary. Because <laughs> he's already super powerful. He's got incredible throwing abilities and raising the dead. Maybe he's so powerful he could fly south of the wall on a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe he can melt the wall. Maybe he can freeze the wall. I don't know about freezing the wall. It's already frozen. But freeze the gate or something so that it becomes brittle and can be broken. You know, the metal gets so cold that it can be just walked through. There's still the problem with the, the spells in the wall that can maybe drive them off. So, it's hard to predict. This is just like the armistice meeting. This is hard to predict how the dragon's powers will work. I mean, we're talking about magic here, like predicting how unseen magic will work is just, that's, that's just guesswork is really all we can do. So, but that said, with all this in mind, let me have some, let me have some takes. What are your predictions on what might happen? Will the wall come down is part of the question. And will the dragon be a part of that? LML, let's start with you.
1: No, I don't think the dragon should be able to take the wall down. The dragon should breathe something cold, so he should only be able to add to the wall and make it bigger. (laughs) That's what he wants to do, he's gonna make it taller. (laughs) This thing's not tall enough. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure everyone knows the best way to take down a 700-foot ice wall is with a meteor or a comet. (laughs) Still holding out for that one. Well, remember, we're talking about how magic is unpredictable.
2: I'm just saying it's possible that what brings the wall down is confetti and that the dragon (laughs) breathes confetti. This is my wild guess. I can't predict this crazy magic.
0: <laughs> I'm just going with confetti. <laughs> Snow and Winterfell says... Has an interesting question here. This is uh, going back to the dragon pit. What are your thoughts on the logistics of this scene? Take into account Jerome and Lena's hatred of each other. P.S. Arya and Gendry for the win. That is an interesting catch. Some of you guys might not be aware of this. It's something we've pointed out, but we haven't pointed it out recently. In real life, Jerome, uh, which is Bronn, that's his real name, and Lena Headey, that's the Cersei, of course used to have a relationship and it did not end well. They, there is like, they have gotten into shouting matches on set apparently and since these shouting matches just couldn't stop, they just don't shoot scenes with them anymore. They, they don't have them next to each other. They keep them away from each other. It's like real world segregation of, Le, of uh, Lena and Jerome. But, he's seen in the dragon pit and so is she. So I wonder if there was, uh they just had to, keep, the dragon pit's pretty large. Maybe they're just on, maybe It's it also been years, like maybe they've, tempered their it's emotions. I think that relationship was prior to Game of Thrones, though. It, it had already been years. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And the thing is, maybe they used it Cersei is supposed to be kind of agitated because of Tyrion's presence and yeah. this whole thing is an affront to her. She's agitated at him specifically, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to punish him? Are you going to punish him? <laughs> so maybe this is just like, they just, all right, Lena, use this. <laughs> you, need, you need a little extra a boost in your anger. We'll give you some real, something to be angry about for real and just channel it into your acting. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Well, but also this P.S. Arya and Gendry for the win. Yeah, we can hope so. If Gendry goes to Winterfell, that's, that's definitely on the table. I hope that happens. That'd be pretty cool.
2: Okay. You know, Gendry also could, it's also, I, I didn't think about it till just now, but it, at first it was just like, oh, this is a way that they can reunite, even though we didn't at least get John and him talking about it. What if they actually get together? Neat reunion. But hold on, there might be more to it. Gendry could get Arya to recognize the real problem, the real threat, like stop squabbling with your sister. There's a zombie army up there. You know, that could be some significance to them coming together.
0: That's true. Yeah, right on. Okay, um, so we've got a few more things to cover. We had some questions pulled. We are running a little short of time, so we may not get to all of them, but we'll try to get to them. Uh, We'll try to get to this really quickly. You still have time to get a super chat if you'd like, but we are going to be closing this down fairly soon. Okay, so worry of the week is a usual feature for us. This is tricky this time. It's very tricky in my mind. There's one in particular that I think maybe is a little bit overlooked. We already talked about Littlefinger, so we don't need to weigh in on Littlefinger. Uh, are either you guys worried about Sansa or Arya, or they just have too much plot armor? Too much plot armor. Yeah. What about you, LML? You think that's too much plot armor for them? Okay, so none of us are particularly worried about Sansa or Arya. I agree. If either of them are in danger, it feels like is a little more likely to be in danger in the short term. Long term, if Sansa goes against Jon, that would be, she'd be in the longer term danger, but I agree. Like, in this episode, one of them dying seems really far-fetched. Sandor Clegane gotta consider him if he if he gets into Clegane Bowl there's no guarantee he wins and if Cersei like demands him as one of the hostages or something like that it's, some people might be worried about Sandor some people might be worried about Gregor <laughs> he has all those Gregor fans out there <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the mountain has a big fan base that's right Theon and Yara I mean Theon himself probably not too worried about Yara though we've been worried about her all season oh, yeah. Yeah. she is worried about Yara um, so I think that one's on the table now here's the one I think people are overlooking Dolra's head <laughs> If the wall comes down, that's the dude. That's the one guy we know of who's yeah. right there. So, I mean, Barrack are there, too. Barrack and maybe Gendry are still at the wall, too, and Tormund. Tormund, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, any any thoughts there? Any any worries about Tormund
1: or Beric or Dolores Ed there, LML? I tend to think if any of those guys were going to die, they probably would have died last week on the expedition. I don't really see the point in having them survive only to die, but course if the dragon pit turns into a scrum you never know
0: yeah that's true i'm, I'm kind of down on a scrum breaking out in the dragon pit because cersei herself is seen sitting right in the middle of it and maybe she's just that ballsy that she would be willing to count on gregor to protect her and the other kingsguard but there's all those dothraki and sandor and john and Dav- Well, davos isn't a big worry but i don't know yeah uh, you're right though it could happen there's there's no there's no doubt it could happen you know something just popped into my head uh
2: it's possible that Theon goes on some mission to rescue Yara and finds out she's at King's Landing. Euron took her. And, uh, it, and, that's, and then he goes back to King's Landing, and it, Yara is there as a prisoner in okay. this meeting. Mm. Not sure if that's Kinda likely. Seems like a lot of time to spend on that. but
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so from Lady Sands, c- Patreon question. What do you think of Sansa sending Brienne to King's Landing? I think she did it to remove her as a pawn in Littlefinger's game or to protect her in some way. What do you think? Uh, Sean, I'll let you weigh in on first on that one.
2: I think that she was getting her out of the way so she had the option to to seize Arya. But it does occur to me that that is a good question, that Sansa might know that Brienne can't play this politic game. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I have to get you out of here. Your, your, your nobility or whatever is going to get in the way of some conniving moves that I need to make.
0: Yeah, it was, a, it was an odd, not bad necessarily, but odd, maybe interesting choice to send Brienne. Like, you're right, Brienne is not the negotiator type at all. So Sansa sending her... Is on the other hand, as we talked about at the time, who else would she have sent? <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's just no other named character that that really makes a lot of sense. LML,
1: do you have a take here? Yeah, I I don't think you can really make much sense of the Sansa Arya thing. I gave up <laughs> on that a while ago. <laughs> They needed Brienne in King's Landing, and so they sent Brienne to King's Landing, and I don't have anything else to say about it. Just kind of a way to get
0: her there to maybe interact with Jamie and or Sandor and or whoever else. Yeah. Okay, I can buy that. Uh, here's a, speaking of reunions, from Sir Nike Tone Lowell. that's a great name, do you think the Hound and Bronn will revisit their chat before the Battle of the Blackwater next episode? Hound and Bronn, that's an interaction I didn't consider they've met before, and they're definitely standing about 10 feet apart as everybody walks into the Dragon Pit, so... I kind of don't think they'll have time for that. It's such a small one, considering there's so many other important meetings to have. But that would be kind of cool if they at least shoot each other a look or something. <laughs> I'll tell you,
2: there's a lot. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of material in Game of Thrones. There's a lot of tentpole moments, and there's a lot of emotional moments, and a lot of you know, images burned into my mind. And that that's one of them. That's like I'm going to call a highlight moment that I don't even know quite how to explain why it's so prominent. My memory of the show was that uh, banter, I
0: guess, between mm. Bronn and a Hound at the Blackwater Bay. We, uh, comment and a question from Lord of the Halls. Uh, he says, I really think Tormund should have been one of the people to travel down to King's Landing because it shows the unity that's happening in the North. The wildlings have even teamed up with the Northerners and with Daenerys at this point, which is really says something, you know, cause they're this, this, you know, everyone perceives them as this savage wild people and they're actually, they've actually submitted because of the threat is so big. That does say something. That's an interesting point. I do agree for a lot of reasons. I feel like
2: Tormont should have gone. One, because it gets us a lot of great interaction. Just like from an entertainment standpoint, it seems like a miss to not send him. And also, right, from a political stance, it seems like it's, even the wildlings are on board. We are even willing to align with them. The North has come to terms with us. Come on, you gotta understand the level that we're at for this. Maybe you could argue, well, you know, Tormund's the leader of the Wildlings. He's got to stay up there. Just like, you know, how Jon's the leader of the North, and he's got... Oh, wait, no.
0: (laughs) 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 Seems like Tormund could go, you know. It's also from Lord of the Halls. He he says that, notice that in the books, Tormund's reputation is... Tormund Talltalker, because he's a big talker. He says all these wild things. But now in the show, he's ridden a dragon, fought the army of the dead, seen the Night King, fought White Walkers, been a close ally to the King, who's been di- who's died and come back, seen the power of lore, lighting swords on and fire, and bringing someone back from the dead, literally climbed the wall, and then defended it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and but well, no one's going to believe any of stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, Tormund. Sure. Sure, Tormund. Yeah, that is hilarious. That's a great catch. Super chat. You, you probably went on a date with Rhiannon Torres too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, not like together. Just, you know, I'm hoping that you. <laughs> that's the one thing he's just more, you know, downplays. Super chat from Craig Lewis. What about our boy Sam, a.k.a. the Highwayman? Poor Basher is the only one that cannot teleport. Yeah. We brought we brought him up briefly earlier. It's, it's really hard to predict where he can go. He could end up at Horn Hill. He could end up at King's Landing. He could end up at Dragonstone. He could end up at Winterfell. I just don't know. They all, none of these seem more likely than the others because it's really just where the show wants to, what's to do with him. Because all these are valid options. Horn uh, Hill seems most likely to me be, because it's most nearby. It's his
2: home. It's mm-hmm. on the way to the other places. And, it
0: seems like, I don't know what would happen there. Seems like everyone will be talking about the, the Tarleys being burned too. Like that would just be the rumor yeah, like, spreading yeah. everywhere in That's the area. true. It would
2: be significant for the people of this land for their yeah. leaders to have been burned. Yeah. So it's, uh, he might just randomly get drawn there, even if he wasn't attending. If he thought, I can't go home because my dad's getting. Be mad. We have to go straight to Dragonstone. Whoa, my dad's dead. I better go home. You know? Okay, yeah.
0: He so, still has a mom and a sister there, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, he does. He does. Multiple sisters, I believe, if I remember right. Super chat from Betsy Newmeyer. Do you think Arya left the dagger on the table because she was walking around Winterfell with another face, and if she took it with her, she would have been recognized. That's interesting. I'm not... Yeah, I mean... That's got to be possible. You know, if Arya is kind of trying to spy on Littlefinger and spying on... I mean, we saw her spying on Littlefinger and not wearing another face, but that's just kind of like, well, we wouldn't know who that was if she was wearing someone else's face. They just want to visually make sure we know what's happening. And also, we saw that Littlefinger might have been aware of that. Yes. Arya thought she was being sneaky, but Littlefinger seems to be a step ahead of her. That is absolutely an option, because we just don't know what Arya is up to. We know that she's keeping an eye on Sansa, and Littlefinger, but she was also as much as she was watching Littlefinger, she was watching those other Northern lords, and she's the one who she threatened to like cut their heads off. So it makes sense that she would spy on them as well. She could be walking around as a serving girl, yeah, it'd be really easy to pull off. And as we've said a million times, serving girl is just the most perfect disguise because everyone ignores them. You know, they just they just they just become part of the. The backdrop. People think that they're unimportant yeah. and people are will say things that they shouldn't say because they just are so like, ah, this is a serving girl. It's kind Which of- is
2: something that Shea pointed out. Sansa has been warned about. Just yes. assume that people are hearing what you're saying.
0: Right. Yeah? Sansa prob- shouldn't make that mistake, but other people might.
1: <laughs> Earlier in the chat, uh, somebody suggested that when Arya gave the dagger to Sansa, and set it on the table there, that that was a foreshadowing that Sansa would be the one to kill Ooh. Peter which I thought was pretty right. cool.
2: I did take note that they are bringing our attention to this dagger over and over again, not just in King's Landing. It's in a book down in Old Town, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is, they make this big deal about Littlefinger giving it to Bran, and then Bran giving it to Arya. And it's not that I didn't catch it first, but Littlefinger witnessing Arya having it after he just gave it to Bran when, he's fighting, when, when Arya's fighting Brienne. You know, she pulls that dagger out, little finger sees that. And now here, Arya is giving it to Sansa. They're definitely keeping track of where this thing is going. And I, I do feel like it's not a random coincidence that they're trying to, whether it's symbolism or foreshadowing or, or there's some, or, or you know, a, a piece of someone's uniform, uh, if you will, costume to be recognized or not recognized. They're clearly drawing our attention to it. I haven't quite made sense of it
0: yet. Hmm. Okay. A uh, comment from Painkiller Jane just a comment about the death and enslavement of Assyrian. She is great at coming with these these you know deep historical take cuts. It is the gray king slaying Naga and making a thrall out of her living fire. that's really cool. Which is the Grey King legend is that she, he slew a sle- slew a sea dragon. <laughs> did the sea Whoops. dragon have an Irish wristwatch?
2: I never say it right.
0: Yes, it did. And that's how he knew what time it was. <laughs> and now, so Naga was a sea dragon and made a thrall out of her living fire. He had captured the fire and used it to light his hall and all that stuff and make made his hall with the bones and everything. So if you guys are familiar with that story... It's It does, it is kind of a a nice fit. And she says, also, the resurrection was very much like the ironborn baptism, which was conveyed via the touching of the forehead and the drowning component prior to his death. Great catch here. She says, I feel like D&D are taking the literal meaning of the phrase, may the power of Christ compel you and using it for demonic possession rather than exorcism. (laughs) That is cool. That is cool. I don't really have anything to say about that other than that is a nice little catch that Probably wasn't intentional by D&D, but it absolutely fits. You know,
2: it does spark a thought that I have. Uh, I've had a few conversations with some friends about the nature of religion in this world. Yeah. And think for a second. If if I'm trying to have this idea that the whole scene in the North was, uh, if not a plan, a fulfillment of destiny by the Night King, right? He, yeah. He either planned or had this vision that he was supposed to be there with the chains over the frozen lake in order to capture the dragon and maybe even part of it is to not kill Danny or John because it seemed like he could or Beric you know um, if that is all the case it seems odd that the other characters were led there
0: yeah right mm. like the Lord of
2: Light gave Sandor this vision mm. Barrack is on this quest to go up there yeah. Thor seems like it's what they're supposed to do Brain even gets the image of the Night King and the army coming. Huh. Why, why would the Lord of Light lead them to this trap? Hmm. Unless the Night King also follows the Lord of Light.
0: Or, or, least, or it's the same energy they're all drawing on. Exactly. The Lord of Light just some sort yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Na-
2: Maybe it's just prophecies <laughs> are tricky. And in the same way that I think about some things that, that you know, it, let's say that The Night King had the power to like fly south and show force or make some attack on this new dragon. He's got more power because of it. He brands marks so he can pass whatever theories come up with. Why would he do that? Why would he do something that will unite everyone against him? Mm -hmm. So uh, that it's a neat idea, but I, assuming he has some vision of what's coming and some master plan. I don't think he would do something to unite people against him, but it also seems weird that the Lord of light would lead them all into this trap. If he, if the Lord of light has some intent to defeat the night king, I'm not sure. It's something I'm constantly perplexed by and thinking about the role of the gods in this. And it comes to my mind when you point out the similarities of the night king bringing his dragon up to the similarities of the drowned God and their religion, their baptism of sorts. I, 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 my default thought is that there's either only one god or all the gods are the same mm. and they're just interpreted by different cultures differently. I agree. That's And kind to of whatever extent it. that is true, I wonder what the role of the gods are in these happenings that are playing out, not just among the humans, but the the, the fantastic creatures of the land, the zombies and the dragons. How much of this is them deciding versus them following something that the lords have the, the, the gods have planned in Set the first place. Do around, they have yeah. control over their destiny? Does any right. of this matter? Et cetera, et cetera.
0: Okay, uh, here's a correction from earlier. Someone caught my my in uncertainty about that John quote. When John was talking about their families fighting side by side for centuries, that was in episode one. Thank you, B-Word, for that catch. I had that in my notes to look up and I neglected to look it up for the episode. She said He she, he says that to Ned Umber and Alice Carstar. That fits great. So, okay, good. That's good. Then that line has been taken care of. We still have, of course, John saying the Great War is here. And, I and we have definitely speaking to Cersei about there's only one war that matters and it's here. So there's that. Okay, so LML has to go in a second here and we do as well. So one last question from Red Ramirez Ravenhorn of Skagos. It says, I cannot believe how competent Cersei is in the show. I really hope that Euron betrays her considering she is openly sleeping with her brother and is pregnant even though she is practically engaged to him. Yeah. <laughs> Cersei is a lot more competent in the, in the show than in the books. So then the question continue, or the actual question here is, will the Golden Company show up in this episode? Based on the show timeline, they could be in Westeros by now. In the books, they've, they're they already in Westeros. Will they break their contact with Cersei to serve a Targaryen? Ooh. Um, I would think not because there's almost no way they're not aware of Danny by now. And if they wanted to side with her, they could have easily shown up presented themselves to her a number of different ways by now, I sent a message to her. I, I think that the Golden Company in the show is probably not going to have any sort of ties like they do in the books to Targaryen lineage of any kind uh, or any kind of history like that. I think they're just going to be a big mercenary army. I'm guessing they're going to simplify things like that. You know, it occurs to me that this, this may be an opportunity for the,
2: for the Golden Company to arrive when we see... Danny's army is amassing out mm. King's Landing. What if we see this other army come out? Who's that? That's the Golden Company. The Golden mm. Company, you know, like, even if that we don't necessarily cool. get comments from the leaders or whatever, it still could be uh, a way to get back to that.
0: Uh, oh, look at this. As promised. The Golden Kitty. The Golden Kitty. This is, again, Xerxes the cat. He is a blue eyed. Uh, Ice kitty <laughs> who doesn't really want to be picked up right now. <laughs> He's going right back to the spot we picked him up from. He's like, No, nah, I'm napping and I'm going back to my I nap had that spot. Box all warm. I, hear, I heard everyone. <laughs> so we did our best to bring a cat into the stream, but he wasn't having it this time. It is very uh, Tolkien esque, you know,
2: Hobbit esque of all these different armies amassing. Oh, yeah. You know, that's true. It's part of the image in my mind of this. It's
0: true. It's funny that the characters matter more than the armies, but the armies are you can't ignore them. I mean, there's yeah, this huge yeah. armies sitting around there. Yeah. So uh we'll close with this comment from Dunk the Lunk. Sean drinks motor oil. What a badass. That's Coca-Cola, but that's Used like motor, motor oil. oil. Yeah, used motor <laughs> oil. That's right. It's dragon oil. Okay. We are out of time. Everyone, thank you for coming. Everyone, please enjoy tomorrow. I look forward to reviewing it with you guys during the week afterwards, and we have some fun postseason plans we're gonna get a bunch of people together for a live stream and have some fun like a post episode a postseason kind of chat like we've done in past seasons like talking about our favorite moments worst moments talking about what's coming things like that and we may do more than one of those depending on how many people we can get and what people's schedules are so stay tuned for that we also have of course our regular coverage next week sean and radio westros and Ashea. So thanks for joining us today, LML. Great to have you again, as always. Nice shirt, by the way, LML. Blood <laughs> and fire. <laughs> Very true.
1: Yeah, it's part of my prediction for the episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So I'm sure we'll be having you back on again at some point in the near future. We always uh, we always get together from time to time. Let it be known that Shea is wearing her get down shirt. By the way, <laughs> it's Shaolin. Fantastic. That's right. Shaolin. Killing
1: romantic.
2: Killing romantic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got okay, a, so thank Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'll I move. got a Lucifer Sam Pink Floyd shout out in the chat. Ah. And let me just go ahead and plug my website real quick. Do it, yeah. So that's lucifermeanslightbringer.com. You can pretty much find all of my stuff there, from YouTube to Patreon. I've got blogs and podcasts and I've got a nice spiffy video with animations of the long night and lightbringer being forged done by Michael Clarfield, the same guy who did you guys opening intro. Right
0: on. You're also on Twitter, right?
1: Yep. At the Dragon LML,
0: Sean is at Dancing Sean on Twitter, and you could follow both of these guys. And uh, both of them are fairly new to Twitter, so you can. can but you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> says, you can, but you shouldn't. <laughs> and of course, uh, thanks to Shea for running production. It was extra tricky today. Our internet was not participating uh, or not cooperating very much, and LML's uh, internet also wasn't cooperating so much. But hey. That's okay. I know you guys understand. You guys understand technical problems. It's all worth it. Getting, getting, uh, hitting a few roadblocks like that is not, uh, you know, not a big deal. Somebody
1: in the chat's asking, what are Pink Floyd's thoughts on the wall? Oh, I saw that too, yeah.
0: Jesus. Even I groaned at that one and I, of course, am a Supposed surprised a, there have been more mashups punster. of that. There needs to be a... <laughs> yeah.
2: A Pink Floyd, Floyd cover band that changes all the songs to Game of Thrones oh. wall stuff. Yeah. There's a
1: shirt I sent you guys.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
1: Oh, wall show. Sure. That's
0: cool. I think I vaguely remember that one. Okay, everybody, thanks again. Thanks again to LML. Thanks again to Ashea. Thanks again to Sean. We will see you guys next week. Hope you enjoy the episode. I hope it's good. I hope it's awesome. I hope it leaves us with lots to talk about because we're going to have a long break before we get more material from the show. We'll get some book material in, you know, later in the year. We'll be covering that. But uh, the focus, obviously, in the short term will be on this final episode, these last 80 minutes. So... Let's all enjoy that and enjoy the, the, the talks that come afterwards. So thanks again, everybody. We will see you soon. Valar Morgulis, Valar Rewatchus, and Valar Enjoy Sundayus. Valar Eclipsis. <laughs>